the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Denver Breakdown. It's our 100th show. Not sure why we're still here or why you're still listening, but fuck it. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Up, you savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. But for the special episode 100, I had to bring back well, at least one half of the people who joined me for our first episode don't go back and listen to that. Uh, we we might briefly touch on that here in a second, but I got uh, Brian Schoonover, uh, one of my best buds in the world, at br 14 and on Twitter. What's up, Brian? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It's crazy that you've come this far, 100 podcasts. Good Lord. Props to any of the listeners that are still listening. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You guys are special, <laughs> special souls uh, just for listening to more than a handful the very few of you that have been uh, listening since then, which uh, <laughs> normal listener, actually, I'll touch this off right at the top because it's apropos, but uh, Drew Jitsu, uh, at Hip Hop since 76, normal listener of the program who, who receives many shout outs. I don't know if you saw his, Brian, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll read it. It's, a, it's, one of the, it, it's genuine. <laughs> I don't know how to take this. It's, Congratulations on, Drew says, Congratulations on show 100. I remember listening to the first one. You keep doing your thing. The show really gives us a chance to see your real personality, rants, racist thoughts, and sick on PC humor. And as always, very appreciative of the shout-outs. Protect your neck. Diz have an NWO. Uh, he, knows, he knows how to get to my heart. He's got an NWO for life one oh, year. Oh, yeah, for life, baby. So it, 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 it's positive, but it's a little bit of backhanded in there. Uh, but Drew? He uh, knows you. He knows you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about the racist stuff we can touch on here, but let's get let's get the cheers out of the way. Let's cheers Drew and the rest of the listeners, uh, and cheers to show one, show one hundred on uh, Brian. What, what, what did you get here, real quick? We got some Glenfiddich fourteen year single malt Scotch whiskey. This was a surprise gift to me, so thank you, sir. Of thank you, you for sticking with it. me. Thank you to listeners. Hopefully, you drink this whole bottle in a night. Cheers, guys. Oh, that's smooth, yeah. Right? The flavor is just on point. Oh, it's got that real age flavor, too. It's just sitting like a, oh, like a dark well, a whirlpool of goodness slowly going to the bottom of the hole. Dude, definitely. This is what Braveheart was all about, this right here. Dude, this... They fought for this. Oh, man, this is, uh, this is like, this is the shit that, uh, Quinn and Hooper were drinking on Jaws ship when they were exchanging stories of scars. This is uh, dangerous, though, man. It's so smooth that... That doesn't even bite, really. You know, I mean, there's it, a little bit of a bite. It's but. smooth, but it's got the real, uh, real ageness. Uh, unlike the, uh, unlike the proper twelve. Not, not hating, but that's that stuff. Uh, 
It's a baby. It's a baby. It's not. A, it's not. It's not really uh, aged yet. But uh, this is 14 years uh, strong. This is, this is more than a, it's a proper 14 the real way. Yeah. And and, and man. Uh, and you got the Scot Scotland versus Ireland. Well, Scotland is my favorite. So yeah. I, I love one of my favorite places I've ever visited. Such great people. Yeah, I remember your stories, man. Oh man. All right. Well, cheers, guys. We're gonna get cheers. to the breakdown. We're not gonna draw. Them. We're not gonna get too. This isn't the whiskey. Too sloppy or anything. Breakdown. Yeah, this ain't the whiskey breakdown. We're gonna be breaking down. Uh, UFC Fight Night 139, UFC Denver. Um, straight off the bat, I will tell you, I did uh, you know research the card, but to my normal standard, well, uh, I'd be lying um, if I if, if I if I went hardcore, especially on some of these, uh, especially on some of these lower bouts. Which is uh, apropos, we're gonna jump into the breakdown, but there are two kind of topics of news I guess I wanted to get to, and uh, I'm trying to decide if I just want to get these uh, the rest of the shoutouts for, for you know uh, for the end or not as for uh, for beginning or end, but. It's funny. I, I was just telling Brian before this. I was like, hey, there's two matchups that I probably want the lightest on. And ironically enough, it's the two flyweight slash fly bantamweight matchups. Why waste uh, your time anymore, Dan? It, yeah, I mean, what, 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 yeah, why the waste of time? <laughs> what, what, what are they going to do with them? Even the flyweights that are saying, okay, I'll go to bantamweight. They got buried on the fight card, too. Um, and, and what I'm talking about is uh, if you go to the Fight Pass prelims, originally it was uh, Davi Hamos versus John Gunther was the headlining Fight Pass card. And you had uh, uh, Mark De La Rosa, um, Joby Sanchez opening up, two flyweights who uh, are booked at Bantamweight. I believe Mark De La Rosa was actually booked at Bantamweight with his original opponent. Maybe they foresaw the things coming. I don't know there. Either way, it would have been a Bantamweight fight anyways because when two flyweights meet on short notice... Usually those things get bumped to bantamweight, and then of course Joseph Morales versus Eric Shelton. <laughs> Sorry, every, the first time I heard Joseph Morales' name was Cynthia Calvillo, like and going that's how straight she said Chica. It. Oh, she, yeah. she was like, "I love Cynthia Calvillo, by oh, the way." Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not, you know, Dan Thomas. As Drew said, I, I'm racist, but I'm racist everywhere. I'm fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but she was going straight Chica in like her post fight, and she's like, "UFC, give Joseph Morales a shot." And I just remember like this stuck in my head, like, "Oh, I love this girl." Yeah, she's and uh, Joseph Morales is a badass. We'll get to that later but what i'm trying to say is that uh usually when a fight drops out of the main card because actually to their credit one of the last flyweight fights that were booked they did put on the main card joseph benavides versus ray borg yeah but that's like top echelon right there and they're deservedly so unfortunately both guys have bad luck right they've dropped out of this card as anybody listening to this podcast already should already know by now um which is unfortunate for both them right because both their luck like it's super shitty like i, I love both those guys but needless to say, now they have to bump something up. Now, guys, when they usually bump something up, they, they take it from Fight Pass. Because even if it's a UFC pay-per-view, uh, even more so, there's just a small window for Fox, usually those four cards. I, know, I don't know what the details are, but they have to give them some type of name value for Fox, right? So it gets real tricky missing with that. That's the great thing about Fight Pass. It's like this endless reserve that they can book fights to do their space filling. But also when these fights uh, drop off, like they do so much now around weigh-in time... What do they traditionally do? They grab from the bottom and pluck it into the top. And not only that, they'll usually grab the non-headliner card. Um, because even though it's not like uh, the Eric Winter era, do you remember when they were really like bumping their chest fight pass? Like, this is the fight pass headliner. And they're yeah. they putting like Dustin Poirier versus... Yeah, I was going to uh, say, wasn't that the big drama then? Like yeah. Dustin Poirier was like upset that he was on, on the fight, fight pass. pass. Yeah, and they were doing right. stuff like that. But even though that era is over, they still have been pretty good about having a fight pass headliner and not messing with it. So... If you have the uh, UFC page and you're following along with m what I'm saying here kind of fastly at home, 
what you'll see is that the no-brainer is to move one of the smaller weight fighters up. This both they're both action weight, they're both action matchups that are going to be entertaining. And you even have guys like Eric Shelton who uh, has a tie to FS1, right? Because he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Now, what's another thing the UFC traditionally does? They try to get their Ultimate Fighters in the FS1 slots because you should be familiar with this guys, and it's smart. Credit to them, yeah, building guys. brand. So again, they're going against their own traditional set tropes to keep these guys buried on Fight Pass. I'm not trying to come at the UFC, but. It's funny. I well, was. It's saying- very clear that that's been a thing. That there, there is some animosity. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that they couldn't get rid of it was because Demetrius Johnson was so dominant. How are you going to kick out? You know, the the guy who had, Dana White must have been ear to ear grinning when Demetrius Johnson lost. You know, and that's interesting because we had a, a poll today, and, and it's not fair to blame it on one thing, right? Uh, but we had a poll today, kind of what you're talking about. What do you blame it on? The, the champ being so dominant, um, uh, the promotion not promoting it right, flyweights not being exciting. Or uh, I actually chose to blame the fans overall for getting behind it because at the end of the day, we've seen Dana and the UFCB and things, but when the fans go crazy, they make way for it. And ultimately, their cards never trended well. Everybody was like, the, the media included, were like, oh, DJ's the best. Why don't people talk about him more yet? When it, just, just, just like voting, and I'm guilty of that too, by the way. Just like voting, right? It's like, well, when it comes time to it, who's actually voting? Yeah, you know who's really voting with their dollars there. So well, that's that's the tough. difference though in a business in comparison to politics is that yeah, you can be as vocal as you want on social media and you can support him in the ways that you want to support him, but if you're not buying his pay per views, then the UFC is never going to say that that guy is is moving numbers. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's really tough. And then we we're talking about uh you know top uh flyweight fights. Uh, shout out to Aaron Bronstetter on Twitter. He was uh getting that conversation going a bit. Benjamin off. This is the neediest Benjamin I've ever seen. Okay, he needs the loving. Uh, my dog is... Uh, want some whiskey, dude? Yes, he probably needs some. I, I, Go lay down. I Go on. Good boy. Give him some CBD or something. Yeah, he needs to lay down. All right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, it, so it, it's, it's kind of crazy times. I, I was saying on I MMA mean, Junkie Radio this week, which makes... Again, I'm, I'm actually pointing out how I'm a hypocrite here, folks, when we follow this through, which I'll, I'll get to in a second. But on MMA Junkie Radio this week, I'm like, oh, watch, see what UFC does. Let's see if they do the obvious thing or they don't. They, they didn't. They actually chose to pull from the FS1 portion, the <laughs> mid portion, which usually they don't do. They pull Benil Daryush uh, versus uh, Tiago Moises. Good fight. Should be a good fight. Great fighters. Uh, no, 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 no pun there. But now you have to do dominoes where they have to, instead of disrupting one matchup flow, now they have to disrupt two. Now they have to pull something from Fight Pass. Ah, means they have a chance to right their wrong. Nope. They pull the Fight Pass headliner, Davi Hamos versus John Gunther, leaving the little guys on the bottom. But despite me pointing that ire of all the fights that I did, that I uh, just did a brushing of analysis for, I didn't get to go back and watch their normal uh, docket like I normally do. Those two fights, so. <sighs> It's kind of a sad poetry here, right? We're all kind of hypocrites to some degree. Oh, yeah. You can't help it, but it's true. Uh, At the same time, when a guy is so dominant, you're not really even worried about the contenders. You're just like, who's he going to fuck up now? It happened with Anderson Silva in the middleweight division, you know? After a while, you're like, oh, God, who could he possibly beat now? There's no contenders. He's gone through the whole division. Mm -hmm. It's not that really Anderson lost his, you know, the the beast Anderson, but... right. It was just more Demetrius Johnson wasn't... Think of his early fights. He wasn't really performing in his early fights. It was mostly decisions. And then he started coming on hard and... Late, late and related but fights. He really did. He just came and just destroyed. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's definitely there's a lot of ways to, to, to pick it apart. But now everything's been done, man. And they're, they're getting shipped off to one. And it'd be interesting. I mean, they could... Uh, one or any other organization. There's a lot of uh, flyweights if they want to have a fun Grand Prix out there. You know, um... 
think uh, Capozo on Twitter was saying, like, uh, was pointing out how um, that one of the UFC's many times, by the way, the UFC tried and failed uh, three times, failed three times, took them the fourth time to get their lightweight division right. Yeah. Um, and by the way, people referencing that for history, go uh, look up the uh, top 10 uh, flyweight and most important uh, f- lightweight fights in UFC history article I wrote, because I actually give a history lesson in the beginning of the kind of history of the Bantamweight division, or lightweight, it was called Bantamweight for a time when Dennis Holman was fighting uh, freaking Jens Pulver. And it just was this insane thing where it was like, uh, this was UFC 33. You're here, Dana White's the UFC 33, the worst card ever, was the worst card. This was post 9-11, Tito Ortiz headlined against Vladimir Matshyshenko. And below that was a lightweight title fight. It was Dennis Holman, Jens Pulver, and it was just a boring five-round fight. And it was, so it was a boring fight. It was, it was a bad drawing card. They were just like breaking in, getting into Vegas and this and that. And they, they, they did this crowd shot, Brian. And uh, it was like one of their first celebrity shots. And you could tell they didn't want to fuck it up. It was, what was it, Dave Navarro and what's her name, the, the celebrity girl? Was Carmen it? Electra. Yeah, yeah, Carmen Electra. Yeah. And they're like watching the fight. And the camera like, Dan, you might go over Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra. And uh, and all of a sudden you see you see like Carmen Electra looking to the cameraman like 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 the cameraman's clearly communicating to her, but he's not coming through thankfully. But she blows his cover and she's like, "What do you want me to say?" <laughs> like the cameraman was trying to tell her like to be excited, and they're like kind of like fooling around, and, like kissing. They're not even watching the fights. Like it was super embarrassing. Oh, dude, they were partying their ass off back then. Holy but, shit. Yeah. Right, but then you fast forward to like UFC '84, BJ Penn, Sean Shirk, and you have The Rock, who's just this giant star, right, going back to meet BJ Penn and then they do the camera cutaway again except it's to their celebrity now in 2008 this is is Jason Statham but instead of the disingenuous what do I say or I'm gonna cheer you could tell he's actually like a fan because Jason Statham when he looks at the camera for his thing he mouths BJ Penn and I'm like it's a stark difference from where the UFC was to then so I mean people pointing to the the optimism uh, that's what they're kind of referring to folks that even some of the strongest divisions faced adversity and they had to go other places to get strong, you know. Uh, you know, Capozo talking about what it did for Pride and Gomi, and he had this crazy run there, and and and, and fought Pulver. It was another UFC guy. And we got all these crazy <laughs> fights sense. because so of this it. This could be a big thing, but it, yeah. But didn't Demetrius say he was going to eventually fight at one thirty-five at one, or was that not was that like misreported? I don't know. Well, I, I think because their one twenty-five is like one thirty-five because of their weight cutting thing. Um, they essentially that's how they they don't they kind of. They don't do weight cutting essentially, so they'll have a weight class that's flyweight, but the guys are like 130 something or something because, hmm. and they're being like monitored. Um, they're having a, a, a yeah, I remember, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah. Really they have to come into a very specific percentage of, of the weight cut. Well, like they had a death out there and that got yeah. covered oh, and yeah, kind of covered dude. and reported shady. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, yeah, well, dude, this is. This is a completely different country. Yep, yep. I, I will, I will, I will stop and there. And let's think about pride. I mean, that. Mm-hmm. How many times have we talked about it being Yakuza run? So who yeah, knows? And, and I was, you know, not junkie by any means, but you know, I, I was working in the the media still at that time too, and that death happened, and seeing how the directives and the emails that were sent out, and the emails that were retracted, uh, oof, it was just crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from them. So that's why there's a lot of shade being being tossed. But anyway, this isn't the flyweight recap. Just real quick though, to, anything you want to touch on UFC two thirty. Uh, Adesanya, impressed? Intense, man. What a beast. Oh, yeah, I I'm mean, sold, man. I don't know about yeah, you. I'm sold. sold. Oh, yeah, sold. I was sold after Brad Tavares. Cause Brad yeah, Tavares me too. Yeah, tough man. as fuck, man. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, I, I, I was excited to see. I'm not really too impressed with Derek Brunson, so I thought Adesanya was going to win the entire too, time. Man. Not saying that Derek Brunson was never great. He was, he, he was good. He has his moans. I mean, he has 
some feathers in his cap as Joe Rogan could not stop saying it at the pay-per-view. I don't know if you noticed that. That was his favorite line. Of feathers in the cap? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about Adesanya. That's a great feather in the hat and the cap. Yeah. Anywho. But yeah, he line. looked great, man. It was great. Nice. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, like, it, 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 uh, you know, I had him, had him inside the distance. Uh, even when I was going back and reading my breakdown where, uh, you know, obviously it was Homer in for Brad Tavares where I picked against him. But even in that, I'm like, yeah, no, I've always respected his MMA game. Of course, I love his kickboxing highlights. But, you know, you got to put the hype on hold. I have to measure that in my job. I really got to, you know, examine these guys. And from the information available, he was showing improvement. And uh, he wasn't a complete fish out of water, which I defended. But even my expectations, he blew away. And I feel bad because, you know, one of these many daily debate things we have to have, we have to kind of have these hot takes. That's kind of the hard part where, you know, there's the analyst part. You have to temper high, paper, be, be thoughtful. But they're also on the radio to give takes. And one of them was like, is this going to be a breakout performance? And I went devil's advocate and said no. Although I was picking Adesanya and picking him to do it inside the distance, it just was, I think I said no, not just to be devil's advocate and a contrarian dick. But no, I think I said no just because you, you don't know in this game. Like Brunson really could have came out and, you know, ca- caught luck him. and slept him. Oh, really, it man. very realistically could have oh, happened. He, we know he's got a great left hand. We know that. There's no arguments there. And counter that, even though I picked him inside the distance, it was the way he did it, right? Like, oh, there was something special. Like, it reminded the, me of Lehman versus Anderson he Silva. He timed like. that knee so beautifully. If you watch it, I've watched it a couple times in yes. slow motion. I kind of like to do the frame by frame. Yeah. And I've been watching it lately, and man, like, he looks at him like he's like, I know you're about to shoot. Go for it. And as he, even before he thinks, he's, you see that he's reacting to throw that. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Next level. Definitely the future of MMA, I feel like, you know, to see something like that. If he can stuff takedowns. And then uh, I think the, and then the, the one I got wrong on the main card was my favorite fight of them all, man. Um, Chris Weidman versus Jacare Souza. That was... Uh, did you enjoy that one? Oh, my... How do you not Oh, that, that was amazing. Anymore? Dude, poor Chris fucking... I feel so bad for him. Dude, I, keep, I, keep, I keep like saying, like, I keep celebrating this fight and without, like, touching on that. Oh, I know, man. I mean, what? Every fight he's lost has been, like, a fight he was winning. Arguably, well, the, the scarier stat is you go back seven or not seven years. You go back seven fights. His la- from his last two title defenses, every every fight since his Leota Machida fight, he's been dropped, rocked, or stopped. Yeah, right. He couldn't remember. He couldn't remember uh, uh, even the Vitor Belfort fight. He didn't know what happened. He was stunned. Yeah, you could see that. And that was a short instance. There were rounds that he forgot in the Leota Machida fight. Then he gets stopped in like two or three fights in a row. Right. Yeah. And then he beats Kelvin Gaslam, but he gets dropped. He gets knocked out midair and like wakes he himself back up. Dropped, man. He went ass first. But the this Jacare one, that was brutal, man. I've never seen a guy hinge at the knee and just fall directly backwards. It was reminiscent Perfect. of Ryan Bader kneeing uh, Latifi. Yeah. How there was just so much force generated that his body absorbed the momentum and just took it and went straight down. And it, 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 even more so, when they hit the jaw, which is the typical thing, that's the knockout, right? Or But even more so when they hit the temple, or there's that Conor McGregor does employee back of the mm. head. The real brutal ones is when they get that same effect, but they don't hit any of those areas, Brian. Mm. They hit the most of the stuff. It was so I mean, third eye is, is a spot where you can get knocked out above your head, but when they're hitting that the frontal cortex right at the eye or frontal forehead and still get the knockout, we'll talk yeah. about it, but Benil Daryush, Alex Hernandez, that guy that upset Daryush, it was a similar shot. Oh, yeah. It was just straight on. It literally went, was forehead. Yeah, or went out. Travis Brown and the Black Beast. Man, yes. that one was Jesus the worst. He Christ. him and then said, where you find his girlfriend at? Yeah, that was, that was basketball bouncing. So. I know. I love everyone that's hit me up about it lately. Talking about Derek Lewis has been like, Dude, my balls was hot. So funny. I was like, dude, you missed so many better moments. Yeah. Him yeah. knock, him murdering yeah. Ronda Rousey's boyfriend, and then <laughs> saying, "Yo, where's Ronda Rousey? Fine ass at. 
Um, that's unbeatable. Yeah. You could say your balls are hot. That's still hilarious. But dude, to do that is just next level. E- even on this last uh, tape study, it was funny. It was like my most uh, tracked tweet uh, from uh, uh, the fight week. I don't know if you saw, but I, even I discovered new stuff. This, did you see that his first fight? Dude, when I have was never missed I, a, a fucking f- post fight with him. It's been hilarious. Did dude. you see the one that I posted though, with Bruce Buffer's calling his name from the first? Yeah, first and fight, he looks and he's like, like what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> fuck you say? Like, it's so perfect. But it's <laughs> funny because he like it takes him a second, and then he looks over and he's like, he starts laughing to himself. Like this, I'm gonna show you two nine. Yeah, it was the what the fuck, but then the funny part when he does the kind of like the how Family Guy will animate it, where the guys are the, the squinty eyes, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like yeah, like so you son good. of a bitch. Oh, I love that man. Good, uh, good, good. I'm a big fan. Well, well, that, that card uh, definitely overperformed, but uh, I think that's it for for, for topics. Um, I'll save these shout outs for the end. I'm gonna yeah. shout out all the guests on the show and and whatnot, uh, and then and then and then also tie in with our you know the Amazon reads and some other things that that was gonna be uh being here. Let's get to this card, shall we? Because um, we want to probably be wrapping this up within an hour from now for, for for our time, and the listeners get to look into the future and see if we they can look it down at the time remaining on the podcast and see if we hold true to that or not. No, in the this, future right now, we don't know how long this is gonna go. To drink, who knows? Yeah. yeah. I got a haircut at eight, so that's my heart out. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. All right. Uh, Brian's going to be, uh, as I said, I'm coming clean. Uh, I didn't make Brian do any uh, hardcore homework, but again, you know you know Brian. You know he's a he's a hardcore fan. He knows who most of these guys are. He's going to be setting up the lines for us tonight. So, Brian, what's, I, what's I the first one? I eat potato chips and watch MMA. That's what I do. That's right. I'm just kidding. Uh, the first one up, we got Mark De La Rosa, who's favorited at minus 255 versus Joby Sanchez, who is the underdog at 215. All right. Wow, okay. To be honest, I, I've heard of De La Rosa. Is is that guy have a wife yep. in the UFC? You are, you are okay, correct. Yeah. Yep, yep, cool. That's, why, that's how I know that dude. He, uh, I believe it was short notice, but he got uh, his only stoppage loss. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, it was... Uh, to Tim Elliott in December of last year, I want to say, and then he got a win after that. Um, but it's he's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. What I liked about him, we actually recently interviewed him, um, and it's something I didn't pick up before is uh, he teaches, and uh, I really like that about guys. It really gives him a level ahead because I'm always surprised when I see that that number right there, his age, 24, because just talking to him, he comes off a lot more mature. You know, he's competed uh, in grappling as well. Um, you know, and not the, the craziest experience, again, this kind of weird sample sizes when you're messing with this weight class, mm-hmm. I, it would, which usually for him is flyweight, but, but, but it looks like he'll be going up to Bantamweight, uh, Bantamweight there. Um, but he, this is a big fight because of that though. It is a big fight. And that's my, the number that jumps out to me, Brian, is the over, um, because it's not that these guys go to decision a lot. It's probably only, you know, of all their fights, if we put them together, I'm only seeing probably about 60, maybe. 65% at most going to decision. So a slight majority, but not like crazy. These are decision-heavy fighters. But they are flyweights fighting at Bantamweight. And even if they were Bantamweights, they're still Bantamweights. Again, not to stereotype the and little guys. They don't really have guys, to worry but... about the advantage of the guy having the strength since they're both moving up in weight. Yeah, the thing is that the reason why the line's probably pretty steeper for De La Rosa is because I think most people just see him submitting Sanchez. Um, so if you think that Sanchez can avoid the submission or at least avoid the submission, uh, well... Probably avoid this mission uh, totally because the total there is 2.5. But I was just looking at that over. This was before looking at the line, this was an over I was looking at um, to possibly play. But but if you really like De La Rosa, then I just say take De La Rosa straight up or throw him in a parlay if you're a madman that does that. But uh, but yeah, I got De La Rosa here. 
Um, Joby Sanchez has been on a turn up. You know, he got he got stopped and only got like a split decision win his first uh, run in the UFC. But he built himself back up, got a win for the Contender Series. Um, but I just think it's a really important fight for both guys, especially with what's going on right now. And with the important fights, tend to produce decisions. It's one of my canaries in a coal and mine. you got to think with this UFC releasing all the flyweights, there's going to be people with eyes on these guys if they don't want to stay with the UFC, you know? Very true. How much, you know, how many fighters are going to get picked up by one FC? I mean, I can think of, you got to think that they probably want to get at least five of the top 10 guys from the UFC to get people to look over there. Mm -hmm. Think about it. We already don't know flyweights, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not us, but you know, the fans, they don't really know them. So if you're going to move the best flyweight ever to fight a bunch of cans, which everyone is assuming is going to happen, you're going to have to mix it up and throw some guys we know. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I mean, at least to be smart about it. Yeah, like even like they would throw like Roger Huerta and shit to Eddie Alvarez in the early Bellator days. And yeah, whatnot. makes they total were, they sense. They were trying to get those where yeah. they could. Josh Nears. And then uh, my favorite thing about Michael Chandler, your boy Michael Chandler, was when Joe Rogan tweeted the next day after he beat Eddie Alvarez, he said, "Hey, who is the?" He tweeted like, "Hey, who is the fighter that beat Eddie Alvarez last night?" Like he didn't even know the yeah. guy's name. Yeah. That's hilarious to me, man. And look at how much you know has changed since. It's crazy. He definitely knows his name now. He's had him on his podcast. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, speaking of flyweights, I believe this is... Sorry if I'm getting this wrong. He yelled at me on Twitter. Um, I believe this is the second to last flyweight booking the UFC now. Yeah, did they next. officially announce his, what, 232 or something? I forget that's the got last? the last one, but the, this is the second to last one. You want to set us up uh, for that one? Last fight on the UFC fight past prelims. Yeah, we're, we're looking at Eric Shelton, who's... Uh, looking at the favorite at minus 115 versus a very close, also favorited technically at minus 105. Yeah, practically a pick 'em here. Yeah, um, pick 'em is Joseph Morales. And it probably should be. But that being said, uh, after, you know, Grant, I actually, to be honest, I only went back to watch one fight apiece on these two gentlemen. Um, Morales coming off a loss of Davison Figueredo, who is, that's, that's the guy right there. Uh, Freaking uh, shout out to Dan Levy tweeted, uh, if they cut Devis and Figueredo, we ride it. I agree. That's Oh, man. He's still undefeated, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah he's a beast. He's a monster. I feel like giving him the kiss of death because, by the way, flyweight, flyweight, uh, flyweight uh, not trivia, but reflection here. I'm giving them some love. Um, the guys who I gave the kiss of death to was, uh, I said, Luis Smolko was going to be the next guy. And then he just started shooting himself on the fucking foot, just drinking himself to sleep during camp and having crazy fights. Ugh. And then Scoggins, who was like missing weight and throwing himself into guillotines. I'm like, God damn it. I'm giving these guys the kiss of death. So I love these dudes. And uh, another guy, um, but my, my, my two favorite flyweights right now is Pantoja, though I don't, I'm not as high on him as, as Figueredo, but and Figueredo, obviously. Oh, man, yeah. Pantoja's he was definitely the too. next challenger. Who else would they have given it to? Oh, fuck, dude. He's a fucking beast. Yeah. And I, I, I would actually still favor Henry Cejudo, uh, which isn't a surprise, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, over him right now. But that would be a fun fight. It would oh, be totally. a fun fucking fight of hard-hitting dudes. Dude, did you know Henry Cejudo is an Olympic gold medalist? I didn't know that. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't listen to that <laughs> podcast. Did you, love to did you listen to the podcast with him and Joe on there? <laughs> no, dude. Why, who would ever want to listen to three hours of him talking about himself? I'm I good, dude. I know disrespect to, his, to him as a martial artist, but god damn, I've never met a person, or not, I've never met him actually, never seen a person so into themselves. I didn't watch And so oblivious to the fact that they're into themselves. That's what's weird about it. You know, it's like... You meet people that are into themselves and they're like, 
oh yeah, I'm into myself. But he's like, I'm just an Olympic gold medalist. Oh, Every God. like, it's like you ask him a genuine. I feel like he's one of the dudes where you ask him a genuine question and he answers it like he's a, it's an Olympic promotional video. Oh dude, every hey, what did you eat today? Well, when I wake up, yeah, I like to eat. Like Henry, just fucking answer me. <laughs> God, you nailed it. That is so accurate. It explains he, he so postures much. like, <laughs> oh man, God, no, that yeah. was just us, man. Answer. He, he's looking at everything he's saying, and it's it's fake to me. You know, it's like he's. He's coming at you with like predetermined sentences. That's why it comes off like that. It's almost like the John Jones thing where, you know, we just don't know what dirt we have on Henry Steele yeah. yet. By the way, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I've told you yet, but I've actually been, uh, is it, is it, is it, maybe you'll find this more crazier than most because we, we, we definitely share our, our uh, you're not we've a had fan our, our of John Jones, are you? I've become much more warm for him, even his, even his asshole sense of humor, just because I, I, I get that he's an asshole now. Dude, Maybe no way, Dan. We're no longer friends. No, I know. I'm still gonna sell. What are you gonna do when I jerk off to him, knocked out? I, I mean, I'll, I'll probably be joining you just because I'm a contrarian, <laughs> and I, I love, I love seeing. Uh, I love. There's something about number. There's something about number one that people drive to, and there's something about like it's weird because like again, I'm as much as I, 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 I joke and not joke about <clears throat> uh, my feelings about John Jones. I never, uh, even in my most quote-unquote hater-esque mode, I'd never not give the guy credit from the day one. No, that's what have. That's what drew... Why that, do you think we watch his fights? That's what, that's what drew me to him in the first place. I mean, so, the, the early that fight with Stefan Bonner, I just fell in love. I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. Um, but it's just because, like, his, his track is so cold. Like, even, like, I'm just saying, his, 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 I've always been, a, you know, a fan of that part, but even his, uh, his trash talk now, just because it's so cold and such... Even though, like, he'll do a lot of stupid stuff, too, that I definitely can't defend... But there's some stuff where I'm just like, I, I, maybe say I appreciate that he's the villain now. Like I, he gets that he's a villain. You and get most, that. You, most people get that he's a villain. And not that, that it's public. People know it. Whether he wants to own it or not, it's it's who he is. And I think that's why he tweets that more, obviously, right? Because it's, it's it's more out now. Obviously, the footage, his records. He's given us enough as evidence. He's but he's every- still fake as hell, dude. You hear him talking oh, in yeah. interviews. It's like oh, I don't trust I'm him. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Happy to be back. I'm so grateful. Yeah, 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 I yeah. think that God. Fuck that guy. Yeah, well, no, no, I, yeah, don't yeah. even get me started, dude. Or no, I know, I know what you your mean. Your boy I know, Jiu-Jitsu I know is going to start thinking I'm racist. I know, or something, Jesus you know? Christ, you really hate judge. <laughs> I really fucking hate him. So. But uh, yeah, he sorry. beat my ass into oblivion. <laughs> I'm not even trying to sit here and say anything different, but yeah, I don't like the guy. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying I did a U-turn, but I will say uh, I, I appreciate. I'm him watching you, bro. I'm okay, watching I'm on notice. I'm on notice. Um, all right. Anyway, sorry. This fight, but yeah, let's let's get back to this fight. Sorry, folks. We're driving. Oh, by the way, something I want to pick up on. Just last thing on giving love to flyweights. I, I mentioned Aaron Brown said, but I didn't finish that thought. He said, "What was your favorite flyweight fight?" I don't know if you have one, Brian, but mine was. Um, I answered it was Luis Gaudino versus John Lineker. It was. I don't know if you remember this one. It was. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Oh yeah, fucking great, dude. John Lineker's a monster. And it's so terrifying. And what what I love about that fight too, because he's so terrifying a monster, especially at one twenty five. But that was the one guy to uh, really. Benjamin. He's got balls. Okay. I mean, Ali Bagotinov, like, out-wrestled Lineker, but, like, Gaudino put him to sleep in, like, a back-and-forth battle. And the crazy thing about that is, uh, you, you probably don't know this, so I'll share it with you and people on the podcast, is um, Alex Davis' manager, like, he's the guy that, uh, he says all these great stories as his fighters. He's the one that told uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, he's, that revealed the story, he impregnated three women. Like, it's his own fighter, it's he brags about story. it every time. It's so good. It's his favorite story. He bragged about it again. I feel bad re-bringing it up, and it's the first thing you he fucking says. You should never stop bringing it up. It's hilarious. And you should bring it up again for these listeners who don't know. Well, the John Lineker one, because he's so, like, crazy, right? Like, you hear about now, like, all these times he's mislaid just because he eats fucking pizza on fight week, because he's, like, kind of, like, not, I don't want to say dumb, but, well, like, 
draw your own conclusions. He's a special guy, right? He's and, like Pochino, uh, the Pochino, the trunk. I say it lovingly because I love John Lineker, obviously. But uh, so John Lineker's first fight in the UFC is with Luis Galdano, right? And uh, he has, and he gets a, like a three hundred dollar or something per diem for the week, like the fighters do for food, it's for food and, and everything like outside of the hotel. Their <laughs> hotel stays covered. And apparently John Lineker's thought was like, well, I'm going to cut weight anyways. And he doesn't know how to cut weight, hence the eating pizza thing. Like people have spotted him eating pizzas like days before weigh-ins. Um, he's like, well, since I'm not going to eat food uh, to cut weight, why do I need this money? And he's so poor. He comes from like a really poor place in Brazil. He's like, he's not like Husamal Pajeras, like, you know, like a raised in the jungle by the, you know, like kind of dude. But he just comes from a really poor place, right? So he went and bought a fucking PlayStation. He spent his whole per diem the beginning of the week. He had no money. He was having to bum fucking water, bottles of water, fucking food. When he eventually he got hungry after a couple of days, was just like dive into some food and then kind of back up. And the manager's like, "What did you put on your money? Why am I giving you money for food? What happened to the money the UFC gave you?" He's like, well, "I spent it on a PlayStation." So That's he's like, hilarious. "So he's gambling, right? There's no Reebok money or anything coming in. He didn't really have sponsors. He's like a poor guy. He took the fight on last minute, barely made weight. It's a win show thing. So he's only getting his show money up to this point." And uh, they originally, I think he might have missed weight or something happened where they, and there was another fight in the running where Joe Silva was actually going to give the bonus to someone else, the fight of the night, which is crazy. It was a great fight. But I think there was another fight in the running and he actually had to plea with Joe Silva to get him that bonus. And that bonus changed John Lineker's life because he was a loser that night. Um, he didn't have any clout with the UFC. And that bonus, like, financially helped change his life. And it was a good yeah, investment yeah. because, look, he, he did oh, well for the – even though he didn't – not fly away from missing weight. But look, look at – he's such a fan favorite. He's got all this momentum. Dude, I love that story. Watching him at 135 is terrifying. Yeah, anyways. No, uh, that's good. Didn't he buy his mom, like, a house or something? Or maybe another fighter? Yeah, yeah. There's I mean, a lot of that Dominic Cruz on. now. Crazy dude, fight. Props to Dominic Cruz, man. I was just talking about his comeback come back, story. Dude. Good Jesus. lord. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's how tough that motherfucker is, though. Yeah. I was saying he's like a GSP for me. I was never really a fan. It is during his reign, but watching the whole story unfold, it's you know, it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. I promise we're going to break down Eric Shelton or Justin Morales. Basically, uh, Shelton, <coughs> Shelton, you look at his competition. He fought aforementioned Pantoja. And some other guys, but they were like split decision losses. Um, I just think he's a really athletic kid. He's going to have a speed advantage. I think he's going to be able to wrestle and scramble with uh, with his opponent, and that's going to make the difference. Uh, Morales, the reason why it's close though is because I think Morales, Shelton's not showing a bad chin or anything, but Morales shown he can tag people. More importantly though, Morales, of course, being scrappy submission guy from Team Alpha Male, he can snatch up submissions in a blink of an eye. So if Shelton sleeps. He can either get submitted or I could see him maybe losing back control and then losing around that way because I believe that happened off the top of my head um, in his fight with Pantoja. Yeah, and for him coming off a loss to, you know, who he's coming off a loss to, it's hard to say. Is this guy's nickname really Showtime? Yeah, and oh, there was no. and, and there was like a lot of hype on him. He was like one of the, you know, the odds makers. The fans were super high on him. Then he, he loses these fights, right? So I think what we have here, in other words, Brian, is one of those effects where you see it happen. Everybody's hyped on him in the public, and then they lose a couple fights. But then you see the steering wheel almost go too far the other way. You're like, okay, wait a minute. He shouldn't be an underdog, or he should maybe be a bigger favorite. And I actually think that Shelton would be a bigger favorite. I'm not saying to go play him, but in hindsight, this could be one of those lines that's close, but yeah. Shelton could just control. I could see him controlling three rounds if Sanchez isn't able to get, get anything going. Yeah, I see that. Because uh, Shelton, at the end of the day, he's more of a process-driven fighter, uh, which is important in a division where you're not going to get a lot of finishes. Guy with process, well, we usually will win the round. 
uh, especially if he has skills and uh, athleticism <laughs> and all these other intangibles, which he does. Definitely. So it's a close fight. I'm not saying it should. I'm not saying go bet, go bet uh, Shelton or anything, but I, I'm picking him here, and I'm, I'm just going to be real curious on that one, regardless if I decide to sprinkle on it or not. When I say sprinkle, because there, there ain't no way I would be play that, that fight seriously either way. Um, Devontae Smith with Julian Arosa. Uh, oh, sorry. Brian, You're good, dude. We're in the FS1. Finish it off, bro. It's all you. Uh, Devontae Smith going to be the favorite on this one. Minus 230. Julian Arosa, plus 190. Wow. So this one, dude, I'm, I'm torn because... Uh, I feel like even if Julian Arosa wasn't training at my gym of extreme couture out here in Vegas, I would still uh, be interested in, in, in picking him and maybe even playing him at that at the dog money because it just it seems like it could be a real close uh, fight. Julian Arosa, it's tricky. He looks like Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller, Bueller, he look, and so he looks like a flimsy guy. He's been stopped before. Granted, it was by guys like Teruto Ishihara who. For what it's worth, smaller guy, but has power and can stop people. Obviously, um, but but he, he he does the same thing Devontae Smith does. They're like long they're long strikers, right? Except uh, Rose is the southpaw, which could give Devontae Smith some trouble. And Devontae Smith, like I was telling you off off uh, off mic here or before the podcast, he's one of those guys. Gets he's really athletic. Got some got some good skills. Uh, trains with some good people, but you know it doesn't have the most reliable sample size from who he's fought. And, he, you know, all his wins are in the first round. The only time he's won out of the first round, he lost. And it was to a guy who we'll get to soon, John Gunther, who is thought to be probably one of the worst fighters, not just in his division, but in the UFC. I mean, but granted, you go look at that fight. He lost by third round TKO. But if you look at it, just he, the dude's doing what he's supposed to do. And he's lighting Gunther up for the two first rounds. I mean, even in the first like minute, Gunther's face is hamburger. Just in the first minute of the first round. Dude, I didn't realize how much of... Uh... Uh, you, you, the, the odds are, I'm not going to spoil the odds. Yeah, yeah, the next fight, one, that's what I'm saying. Good yeah. lord, the odds yeah. are so intense yeah. in the next fight. He, wow. lost, he lost to the sheep to slaughter, in other words. He got TKO'd by that guy who's not even a... But the, what happened was, the guy, Demonte just got so worn out from defending takedowns and beating the shit out of this guy, that eventually, not only does he, he secede another takedown in the third round, but lets Gunther mount him, and then Gunther just finishes him from there. Like was, right in front of his like own corner, demoralizing loss where the corner's like fight, fight, and he's just sitting there letting him pass. You you see the end before it happens, kind of a thing. So you know, could that be a prospect learning loss? Sure, or could that be a trend that we even see the best guys who are those athletic, super athletic dudes who, when they don't get the finish or the cough, fight doesn't Anthony go the way Johnson, they want, cough. yeah, yeah, right, the hammer the nail thing. I mean, oh, yeah, it happens to the best. So Anthony true. Johnson, oh, Tyson, man. you can get pretty far on that. I'm not hating, yeah, but. We don't know about Devontae Smith yet. So I will be going for the dog here, uh, picking the dog, Arosa. That's a good That's a good price but, point, yeah. Uh, and I might even uh, sprinkle on him, but, but I would not recommend it because obviously uh, uh, this isn't one I have strong feelings for, and uh, there is some biases there. So I definitely don't recommend you either way, but that's uh, this probably would be a void if I'm being perfectly honest. But Yeah, this next one, though, you got, we got X. the machine, Burt Kreischer. I mean, excuse me, the machine, John Gunther. Oh, shit. Fighting oh my God. David Ramos. David Ramos is the favorite here at minus 1,000. And you have John Gunther, who is ripping off the best nickname in the game, at plus 650. What's his nickname? 
The Machine. Oh, The Machine. Okay, wow. I thought he was the alpaca. Guy. Oh, I don't know. That's what it said on the UFC okay. website, man. I don't know if they're lying to me, but no, that's, that's literally right. You're what right. it said. You're probably right. Yeah. That's, that's all I thought was like, this guy's just stealing Burt Kreischer's game right now. Yeah. If, if, if At these odds, that'd be like Burt Kreischer fighting somebody. Plus 650? Good lord. He looks like Burt Kreischer's retarded son. I know. I, I keep saying I'm not he supposed to say that word. I'll say retarded. Think about, how many, that word. think about how many times uh, Burt Kreischer is probably impregnated women he doesn't remember. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like she listens but uh, I just feel bad <laughs> oh Jesus Christ uh, anyways yeah Gunther uh, that's hilarious that you say Jesus. he could be the worst fighter in the UFC I well, he jokes about it in his post fight interview he goes I know everybody says I'm the worst fighter and that's probably true but I can win damn it and like something I forget what he says but oh, it's like ridiculous man and he's then, doing that mustache all and then Jimmy Smith goes because uh, they're talking about something he was talking about alpacas or something like his Indian thing or whatever that I don't know if he has Indian roots or he chooses to identify as an alpaca and he's like, give us an alpaca child, uh, yell, a war cry or whatever. He's like, I think, right. I, think I have heard about that. <laughs> it's like, what is he Maybe doing? he is named alpaca. The UFC's fucking up naming him the, sh- the machine. That's pretty hilarious, though. Let's go right here. Yeah, you're right, dude. Versus the Tasmanian devil. Which is appropriate. Davio Hamosh does look like a Tasmanian devil. At least he's not the Tasmanian. But this is, uh, is going to be like leading the land of executioner. A lamb no slaughter. I mean, Gunther, um, he depends on grappling and making things ugly. But he doesn't have much of a jiu-jitsu game. Uh, in fact, in his post-fight interview, he ends up by going, UFC, I got jiu-jitsu, I promise, let me show you. Well, they said, okay, here's Davi Hamosh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, accoladed grappler, um, who looks like Husamar Pajaras, but can hit flying arm bars on dudes. Mm. Like, he's a beast in the grappling scene. Oh, he's just going to make John Gunther his biatch. And he can strike and fight MMA. Wait, John Gunther's 7-1 and one, and you're saying he's the worst fighter in the UFC? People are saying that, and I would. I'm not. I don't want to say that. It's really rude, but I, he's probably. Um, he probably takes the throne of. Uh, do you remember that one guy? Fuck, what was his name? Remember that really out of shape guy with a Greek name at lightweight, and he had a tubby belly. Like, how is this guy in the UFC? Is Crystal? Crystal? No, Crystal oh. Lolo? Oh, or whatever. Like he's like yeah, he's like that hilarious. level of dude. That's hilarious. That's great. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm badass. Hey, yeah, no, and that's why I was like, like really? really? That's what I was, no, no, yeah, no. that's why that's what I was thinking. So here is a badass dude. But yeah, all right. Uh, not much to break down there. He needs device to be ugly. The problem is he's going to be going against a badass grappler who can strike better than him. So unless he's able to survive and Hamos just somehow gasses to the point where he can't defend himself, um, yeah, submission by mustache. You don't need it. I'm sure everything. I'm not even gonna look at what the overs, unders, or what the angles are because those are probably inflated as well. When you yeah. have lines like that, people are looking at any angles to play, and they just gang bang it. Sorry for that visual. <laughs> All right, we're staying in the FS1, Brian. You want to give us the uh, yeah next, next one? one looks here? like we got another pick'em. We got Chaz Skelly versus Boba Fett. Just kidding, Bobby Moffett. <laughs> Bobby Moffett. <laughs> Bobby Moffett's from Illinois, and he trains in the MMA lab in Arizona. I gave Bo- him too much flavor on the last name. I don't know why. I, 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 I always stereotype this guy. Like, I think he's an Alan Belcher MMA guy. Like, he looks like an Alan Belcher MMA guy. Like, he looks like he hangs out with fucking uh, Jason Knight and what are those other guys from there? Like Jason Knight. Oh, this guy, oh, they don't have a picture of him, of course. Hey, Diaz. But maybe it's the name Bobby, because we'll have Amanda Bobby Cooper next, and I always say it in like that fucking fat Creole guy voice, like, Bobby Moffitt, Bobby Moffitt, Bobby Moffitt, going to rest seeing boy. Boba Fett in that name. That's all I can see. Well, it's crazy. He opened as the dog, which he should have been the Chaz Skelly, and I was, maybe because I'm a Chaz Skelly homer, 
a uh, little biased there. I'm like, I think Chaz Skelly should be a bigger favorite. I get that Chaz Skelly's coming off a loss and he hasn't fought in over a year when he got when he lost to Jason Knight, which that sadly that lost didn't age well. Uh, but yeah. I feel that he should be a little bit of big of a favorite now with the way the line's trending. He's actually a slight dog and trending toward being a dog maybe by fight time. Now this interests me because Bobby Moffat looks like he could be the the real deal as a not a contender or a champion. Uh, yeah, I don't think his striking has way too long to go. But he is a wrestler. He wrestled for seven years. There's no All-America or anything like that credit. So seven years, that tells me junior high through high school. Especially when you look at when he started fighting. It looks like he started fighting right recently out of high school. So I don't think there was a collegiate wrestling background. But he is a good wrestler. He can counter kicks or go in for shots. He can chain, get him against the fence, against mid to... He's faced some decent guys. He's also lost um, to some decent guys, most of the decent guys he's faced. So we don't really know where he's at, right? Mm -hmm. The contender series is tricky. A lot of these yeah, guys it's are, hard to say, man. There's a lot of mismatching. Right, and we're, we're seeing a lot of... And Dana's, and Dana's <laughs> picking the, the worst guys, in my opinion. He's picking first-round finish guys. Well, we know the least about those guys. But that's all... Though Dana is thinking money, money, money. And that hype, sadly, transfers through to these lines. So that's why if you're seeing a trend, folks, following at home, if you're fading these Dana White Contender Series guys, you're probably profiting more times than not. They're yeah. getting thrown in last minute in bad matchups against tested guys. Yeah, you're There's noticing a lot of guys that didn't even win getting last minute fights in the in the UFC. And it's sad because like I'm forgetting. There's so many fights that I'm forgetting. These fights that I even watched under the undercard, Brian, is one thing. But like for example, this last season of Dana White Contenders, I watched both of them because I actually like it. I'm not burnt out from it like the tough series. Tuesday's a good day for me to watch yeah. fights too. I've watched all of them. Yeah. But but even more so, what did I do this last one? I did those articles grading the winners, oh, which yeah, is nice. Right. So like. I've actually been able to go back to these articles and refresh, get my yeah, thoughts from fight night. Definitely. But it's crazy because I'm going to these thoughts. I'm like, <sighs> most of the guys that were always like reserved, I'm like, I'm really nervous because this guy did well, but I don't know how, if he's ready though. Um, but compared to these guys, he's probably going to get shipped off first. Yeah. And sure enough, these are the ones that are getting shipped off. So well, we've seen that with Khalil. I mean, like people mm. discredit Khalil's yeah. like Khalil Roundtree's game, but he's a monster, man. Like you and I have said, we've heard the stories of him in the gym doing the things that he's been doing. And that's just not broadcasted because that's not good etiquette. But right. it's a thing that's been happening, man. This guy's a that monster. That works against him because the UFC rushed him. And started so true, but that's the thing. Yeah. is like you can't have you can't too much it, hype yeah. on you, man. You know, you like it's a very risky situation for these up-and-coming fight, up fighters due to that because, of course, they're not going to pass up the opportunity to be on Dana White's Contender Series. Right. And if they win, of course, they're not going to pass up the opportunity to fight in the UFC. It's up to the UFC to kind of have like a, a lower echelon thing for guys like this. Like, I'm glad to see it happening with Greg Hardy, where they have him doing other fights in other organizations that the UFC's in with, and just giving him these feeder fights. Yeah. That's what they should do with some of these guys. I feel like these guys that have less than 10 fights should not be fighting guys with 15 plus fights. You know, I feel like there's that area of growth, and that's kind of where it happens. John Jones versus Greg Hardy, who would you want to win? Dude, do we even need to talk about this? <laughs> uh, especially, dude, me and Greg Hardy would have a lot in common after that fight. We'd look exactly the same. What the Have fuck? you seen the way he looks after he knocks people out? Scary. It's terrifying. I'd be scary. the same dude except for my wiener would be hanging out. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I won't put you in that position. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Anyways, great point with these. And... and, and and yeah, so we don't really know where he's at. And Chaz Skelly, he's uh, the reason why I like him is because he, he looks goofy. So people are gonna write him off because he looks goofy. Totally. But he strikes goofy. But he's I, I I would say he's a better striker than Moffat. Uh, even though he he, sh he got hurt in his last fight, granted by by Jason Knight, but still. Um, 
Those are good underdogs, though. Like, yeah. like he, he, he was able to rock Kevin Souza, who was like supposed to beat him, was like a big underdog in Brazil. Kevin Souza was a striking co- one of the striking coaches, I believe, at Novo and Yao, Muay Thai boxing guy. And Chad Skelly is like a heavy. He's got like that, that Dan Henderson wrestling power. Where he's got the yeah, heavy right hand, totally. and he commits to it. It's he's like, like farmer strength. Yeah, yeah, he commits to it, and he's awkward, so he's hard to time. And his and his wrestling too. He's more of a funk style wrestler, and yeah. and he really likes submissions. He flows well. Yeah. So even though this Moffat guy, I believe he's, a, I want to say he might even be a black belt, like in Brazilian jiu jitsu, uh, and he medaled in IBJJF. But you look at his grappling style, wrestling, IBJJF, most of those guys, they win by control in those gi tournaments. They're gotcha. not really submission. Yeah, it makes sense. So, you know, like, oh, he's more of a control guy. Alex Garcia, that beastly dude from TriStar who's yeah. in a judo. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, but he's, a, he's not just judo. He's jiu-jitsu, and he won all these jiu-jitsu tournaments. I'm like, they're IBJJF tournaments. He probably won just by control, yeah. controlling dudes. That's and you see that in his fights. He's not getting submissions unless so this guy really sucks. Um, but so that's he, something cool, though, the Chaz Kelly thing. is like that's a, that's a factor that most people don't consider is that awkwardness in the stand-up, that stiffness that right. we see is hard for other fighters because they're he, not used to it. And he's a legit All-American collegiate wrestler. Like, yeah. He's a part of a legit program, so he actually is a better wrestler than he's Moffitt. He's like a Jake Shields 2.0 or he, what? Yeah, and like they're both pretty big for the uh, strong for the weight class. Like Moffitt like, just looks athletic, and he, 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 he cuts weight really well, whereas Skelly... He's actually, even though he doesn't look imposing, he's big for the weight class. Plus, has that Jake Shields that you said that retard strength a bit. Yeah, it's just like that awkward, like it, that style is good. Like GSP said it best. He said Jake Shields was the hardest stand-up fighter I've ever fought because yeah. of his awkwardness. And Chad Skelly, when he choked out uh, Souza, he he didn't even get it o- under the chin. He got it over and almost like put the guy out and made him tap. And it was great. He did this drill and it sounded crazy. But Neil actually had us do these drills. He goes. In his post-fight, uh, Chad Skelly goes, when I'm tired at the end of practice after sparring, when I'm dead tired and everybody's going home, I go to the corner uh, and I find a medicine ball and I do squeezes. And I go squeeze until I burn out and squeeze until I burn out and can't give him no more. And I hold 45 dynamic, just doing dynamic tension drills till he's dead because his idea is I want to know that I can be dead tired in a fight down on all the cards and I need to just grab onto something and not, and if I need to grab onto the guy and not let go until he goes out, then I'm going to do it. That's because he's, he should it, take Holly home. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's smart because he knows that you don't need to get under the chin to finish the choke if you have good leverage. So he just uses that That, that squeeze strength. is probably terrifying, man. If and, he's doing that every day. And he's got good front. He's got but that's front. like farmer strength to begin mm-hmm. with. Like That's what they've talked about. It's, like, it's not about like just doing your max reps. That consistency yeah. is all you really need. And I also got a soft slot for Chas Skelly because he's up there in Chris Lieben territory. I believe they're up there for record holders for fastest turnarounds, like within two weeks' time on turning around and going and winning. Mm. And he had to like he had to like dog they got a fight. He actually knocked out Mirsad Bektik um, when they fought uh, that the, the, the guy who was hyped up before oh, Darren Elkins yeah. did. But uh, if you look Darren at it, he knocked him out. But uh, the, the ref actually gives him time to recover. It says it was a legal blow, I think, when it wasn't. And then Chaz Kelly actually wanted to lose that fight. Uh, and he took it short notice. He didn't, I think, too, he didn't have the gas. But Skelly's a badass, man. And you look at that fight with Jason Knight, too. He actually broke his arm in the first round. I, for, I totally forgot that. And Jason Knight even says it in his post-fight interview. That's why Jason Knight has so much respect for him. He goes, that man right there. And Jason Knight's like crazy hick. Like, he doesn't yeah. give hick his opponent credit. He doesn't give his opponents credit, dude. And he was like, that man right there is the toughest man I ever fought. I snapped his arm so many times at pop, pop, pop in the first round, and that ball kept fighting me. Because he didn't get finished in the third round. And it was like a perfect like uppercut he walked right into. So like, and so with the broken arm, the knockout loss, it was a bad stoppage too by the ref. I think it's actually a good thing that Chad Skelly took this time off. So now we have an unproven guy versus a proven guy, in my opinion. And the proven guy on paper is actually is better wins and has better skills on paper than him. Yeah. So to see the line trending to make him an underdog, boy, I was thinking about playing Chaz Skelly before, and I'm going to play him if, he, if I see plus money. I don't think that's a bad play. No way. 
That's my opinion on that one. All right, next fight, Brian. We're still on the fight pass prelims. We got Ashley Yoder, who's favorited against yeah. Amanda Cooper. Poor Amanda Cooper in her last fight. Just got yeah. caught with that overhand right by the jujitsu queen. Like, and who then, saw that coming? Man? And what made it worse is she got RNC'd after that. Yeah, it, looked, it was like, but we all saw both. Yeah, oh, she got dropped. I mean, I don't remember the last time I saw a girl get rocked like that. Well, the reason why I say it's worse is because uh, her stereotype is that she has bad jujitsu. She's trying so hard to, to, to you know, to, to shore that up, as, as like any pro would. But if you look at all her, I want to say all her losses. Uh, have been submission. Rear naked choke that very same way. Ashley Yoder. And Let's poor, pull it up right now. Poor girl. But I want to say Ashley Yoder's specialty is scrambling to the back and getting a rear naked choke. Let's just say that. That's her specialty? That's, that's her specialty. Oh, Grappling, scrambling girl. to the, the spider monkey. She's cute too. You see, oh no, yeah, that? dude, I I followed her fight. By the way, which, I, I can't answer this as an extreme member of the media. So you put that, yeah, of course, you put that hell in on me vicariously through you. Oh no, what do you like? She 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 shaped up. By the way, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm not excited for this fight. I'm excited for Paige Van Zandt versus Rachel Ostovich. You, yeah, you're part of the Ostovich crew. Oh my god, that is the hottest woman in MMA, dude. I don't give a shit what anybody. <laughs> Paige Van Zandt looks like a little boy in comparison to Rachel Ostovich in my opinion Brian's laying down all the hot takes tonight folks I love it I love it this is why you can't have me on the podcast no, too this much is good. too many this hot good. takes I want, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we get some responses for these I want to hear what do you guys think Paige Van Zandt or Rachel Ostovich don't, uh, don't make me pull that, and have that I'm going to reply to every hater of the Rachel Ostovich train and see she's coming off of uh, three losses in a row but Dustin Keish is a beast Angela Hill is on her resurgence and she's awesome uh, just in general, <laughs> maybe not the most best fighter, but you know she's awesome. Yeah, totally. Mackenzie Dern was a split decision fight. I was at that one, UFC two twenty two. But um, oh maybe arm bars is how she normally wins. I'm sorry. Yeah. She, oh, it's arm bars. So, but arm submissions bar. are normally how she wins. That's yeah. That's, that's her. That's her specialty. Team Quest. Um, she's a southpaw and is getting better at striking, which it's going to be good for her because if you're a southpaw grappling specialist against a striker, that that stance is going to inherently give you better distance ma- distance management. Wait, hold on. Scroll up real fast. Oh, yeah, sorry. Her nickname All is her ABC. Losses. That's yeah. uh, that's real creative there. Someone asked her, and she has like the most attitude. Like she has a very attitude type of girl. Like she comes off that way, and she's trying so hard to now, not to now. Uh, so I, I want to be nice here. If she was really oh, nice with gonna, her recent she's interview, she's gonna beat me up or what? But like, for example, uh, sure. uh, throwing Danny under the bus. Danny Otto, our producer, he's like the least favorite. Not that he has anything against her, but that's his least favorite fighter to call. Because he has like bad experiences, she's like, I always feel like I'm pissing her off. She has this, well, dude, a girl that beats ass for a living, yeah, you're gonna make her mad at some point. Well, it's funny. You listen to her interview; she kind of has that like resting bitch face. Like, are they good for her uh, though, dude? Yeah, you gotta have some sass, like, dude. I remember her interviews too. I remember her interviews too, and especially after uh, Mackenzie Dern missed weight. Yeah, I remember. Trust me. I, oh, I actually was was all for her. I was, oh like, no, and she her. everything yeah, she was yeah, saying yeah, was accurate. I'm not saying she was in the wrong. I'm just saying I could feel the sass. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's for but sure. But more power to her, man. Hell yeah. And it was funny. Uh, and it was funny. But last, here's peak behind the last show. So that was the setup last time we had her on the show. And Danny was like, oh, I'm so nervous to call her. And it was explaining. Like, oh, and I'm laughing because Danny doesn't follow him like us. So if he gets the same response, like a casual someone gets the same response as you do as a hardcore, there's some kind of comedy there. You're like, oh, it's, a, it's like a reaffirmation. You're like, oh, I'm not crazy. Even the person yeah. who doesn't know gets the same so vibe. True. So this is, it's a, <laughs> I'm throwing George under the bus here. We had two guests and, and uh, she wasn't supposed to be till later in the show, but George was like, here's the number for the first guest and, but mistakenly gave her, gave Danny her number. So it was like, I think it was like Dustin no. Poy or something. I was like, hey, Dustin. No, this is Bobby. And like, <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> 
And she was so it's like even gave him more and Danny didn't know better, like so he was just fucking poor guy. Started like, right me. after he's he like already oh, Danny. Danny. <laughs> But dude she hates you. He's like, dude, she hates me so much. She oh fucking hates me. God, like it was so great. So good, poor guy. And then she comes and she and we, we we cheered up toward the end of the interview, but the beginning you could tell she was a bit testy because of all that like fuck oh. poor Danny. Oh, oh it's great. Hey, I, I don't blame her though. It's hard for women to get respect in the UFC, so she's probably already on that train of like I'm not getting respected. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The poor Danny. Yeah. I'm gonna pull up. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the next fight, but uh, let me know. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll pull that up there. I think we're still in the FS1 prelims, but yeah, if, if I didn't make it clear, I'm going for Yoder. Yeah, Yoder. Yeah. All right. What's the? Uh, here, I just pulled it up right to there. That's it. All right. So in our next fight, we got what's what's his name? Oh, we're on the main card now. We're on the, the main card. The first. violent Bar- Bob Ross. Less yeah, editing. Yoder, you, yeah. Are you gonna take this all the way through? By the way, I don't need to stop oh, for can, a break if we can. Yeah, we can keep rolling. Let's, Let's go. just keep rolling. Yeah. It's feeling good. But yeah, we got L- Luis Pena versus Mike Trezano. Hey, Mike hey, Trezano. Yeah. We got the violent on? Bob Ross hey, as, the, as the favorite, though. And I'm not gonna lie, I've watched his highlight reel. This dude looks real good. His stand-up is crisp. I like him. There's some worries. They're both. I, I was referencing this fight earlier. Probably was off the mic when I was saying the. Uh, yeah, Mike Trezano's fight with Joe Giannetti, uh, which was the finals. That's Benjamin chewing in the background, by the way, folks. He's which having was, lots of anxiety because we're not paying any Which was the finals. And the reason why uh, Luis Pena, who didn't make the finals, is probably favored is because people thought Luis Pena was going to win. But he, I'm sorry if I'm being a little shady on the details. Obviously, I admittedly don't watch tough. I just go back to watch the fights when I need to. But got a foot injury, I believe, or something along those lines. And, had to, and it withdrew him. So he never had his fair shake, right? Whereas Trezano goes against Joe Giannetti, and it's just this really ugly grappling match, right? Like, it's like there's a certain part that's so, like, ugly. Benjamin. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. He's so hungry for attention that this ball that he's had for a year, he's never, or over a year at least, he never chewed through. He's chewing through it right now. He's devouring it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's come over here a couple of times, poor guy. I should have brought Luca. Luca's my dog, by the way, for you fellow listeners. He's a fellow boxer, and they've been friends their whole life, so... I just feel like they get a little too crazy sometimes. Talk to the listeners. Sorry about this, folks. No, no worries. Yeah. If, if you guys don't know, boxers in pits, uh, they, they have high anxiety, or they really just crave attention, and Ben is number one attention craver. Next to number two, Luca. Some CBD lavender. Nice, yeah, no, that CBD is what's helping. Select CBD. Any CBD company wants to advertise for this podcast? Yeah, hey yo. Brian, what are some companies you think could advertise for the Protecting Act podcast? You're asking the wrong guy, Dan. If you would like to get some advertisements on one of the greatest podcasts of all time, I think that you should be a company that. <laughs> Is spelled in the way of O N N I T. That'd be a good one. That would be a good one. I mean, shit. I don't think there's anybody I know that has more on it. I mean, you got to be one of the top guys on on it, as far as reward rewards programs go. They actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't have to worry about my. Let's just say I get the. You should pull that. Be like, hey, look at how much money I've spent in your company. Why don't you invest in mine? Well, it's funny. <laughs> they, they didn't have retroactive rewards, and I think I was. I'm sure many people asked, obviously, it's not just me, but they told me actually, they're like, you know, you're actually one of many people that have been asking about that. 
And then they were they went back and checked uh, when I was talking with my affiliate person. Like, holy crap, you have a ton. And I know they're not bullshitting because there's like a rewards thing that's like a, a pretty big scale from minimal points to maximum points. And pretty much the best thing you can buy per purchase is like a $30 off coupon is like the best thing they offer. And it's for the max amount of points. And you've got that. Let's just say I get to use that every time and I don't have to worry about my balance. I'm not even cracking into it. Like I, no, I, dude, I, I almost want to ask I mean, if I can like donate my points to people because I can't even get through years, them. It's ridiculous. Dude, yeah, like it is. Five years of easily. Oh, I've been doing Easily. since the very beginning. I mean, oh yeah, I, uh, no, it's great products. We're not even. Yeah. There's no hype, man. I mean, you could live by it. It's it's great. Like I, I don't listen religiously. It's probably for like the last six years or whatever. But I, I did for a minute. I listened to the very first Rogan podcast. Like when you went in for oh first yeah, I remember. Oh man, you like, and I both. Yeah, the, when he was like live streaming and on stream and stuff. He's one of the few guys we followed on that site, right? Oh yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, what's going on here? It was fucking. Christmas time, so yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, sorry about that, folks. Uh, Trezano. Uh, so um, but yeah, uh, it was. It, oh yeah. By the way, I was saying so it was a grappling match, and they're like in like a sixty nine position, to where they're like, and you know the crowd like does the, oh right, but they were in it for so long that that died down, and the guys were almost so bored, and Trezano, who's winning the exchange if you want to call it that, is on top. Just decides to start uh, elbowing uh, Joe Giannetti's uh, asshole. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't want to talk like that. Sorry. <laughs> where the fuck did that come from? I don't know because the next part, and this is this is, this is where I need the audience here. Okay, yeah. guys, hit me up at Dan Tom MMA. I didn't want to maybe tweet this because you know it, it sounds really off, especially if I'm wrong here. I could swear I listened to this back and forth. Did the crowd say "eat his ass"? Eat his ass. Eat right. his ass. So Dan and I, Dan and I had this conversation before the podcast, yes. and he brought that up. And as Ben is feeding off my energy because I laughed too hard there, <laughs> uh, it, 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 we had this conversation before the podcast. And off what ben. happened? Off, off Ben. Off Ben. Off. Good boy. Off. What happened is he had this conversation, and he goes, "I know they're not saying their names." They weren't saying Trezano, and they weren't saying whatever. Giannetti. Giannetti. The syllables that And I was like, yeah, Dan, but maybe they were saying beat his ass and not eat his ass. And Dan was, it look, the look on Dan's face is like, I didn't even think of that as being part of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, how much eat so his yeah. ass is in the forefront so, of Dan Tom's if, yeah, mind. Exactly. <laughs> so if we can get some Twitter feedback on the fact that absolutely all they said was beat his ass... Uh, that'd be great. This Thanks. was pre-Derek Lewis hype, uh, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. that's true. Did you see that, by the way? The basketball court interview where they said, what do you eat before your fights? He said ass? No, you go, yeah, yeah. He, said, he says, well, when my wife's in town, sometimes I eat her ass. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh my God. No, <laughs> hey, I, so love, I love his post-fight interview when he knocked out Volkov and he said... He, they were like, so what are you going to do? What's the first thing you're going to do after this fight, Derek? And he said, well, first off, I'm going to throw my wife's legs up in the air and go from there. Go from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's greatest, man. The best part is when, like... Authentic people. Right. You can't not love that. And I don't know to sidetrack, but I love that, like, the no-sells, like the Rogan does, I understand. You know, for the hot balls and Oh, stuff. God. But the best one, but you said, like, the best one was the Brian... Not just the Ronda Rousey one, but the best part of that interview, when I go back, is Brian Stan's reaction. He's so offended. Because he... Brian Stan has to be so professional. He's but just he's like, so, so mad. I don't know. <laughs> no, he was you so mad. So? Oh, he was I think so he was trying to hold in laughs. No, dude. Go back yeah. and watch it. Brian Stan was so mad, dude. I just want to see at least my vibe on that. He does this face. He goes, no. all right. But for me, he's more like, I can't believe you just fucking said that. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. I feel like it was way more of like, 
Holy fucking shit! I'm running for what? Isn't he like yeah. a politician well, now? Either way, his, he, either way, he was uncomfortable, and that's what I found funny. Oh, it's hilarious! That's what I found oh, funny. I was and, like, oh, he's so uncomfortable. Give a shit about it, dude. Yeah, you could tell the Brian. You're right on the vibe well, of Brian Stan not knowing what to say next. Well, even in like the Chappelle show skits, right? Like that was some of the funniest parts. Was the, the whether it was Dave Chappelle playing the white the white guy, the straight character, but the straight character is like the quiet part of those funny equations, right? Like they make it work, right? Like it's it's the guy playing it straight. Makes makes the outrageous guy even more funny. Oh yeah, because he's like, well, I'll write them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, so like, it, it makes it work. So true. Anyways, I got Luis Pena. I don't know if we really. Oh yeah, that no, one. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of there. We'll, we'll blame uh, Glenn Fiddick for that one. It's okay. We're, we're doing pretty good here. Uh, Twenty five more minutes uh, is, is no my rush, max, man. Max, what I want to do, and then uh, we already have the main card into it. All right, we're on the this one right here, I believe. Main card still. Jesus Christ! You had to wait this long to give me these names. All right, we got. Macy Barber, who is favored at four minus four twenty five, which is really impressive, versus Hannah Cyphers. I, don't uh, know. I guess so. Yeah. I'm not my trying to too. butcher yeah. her name, so no disrespect there. But she's at a plus three forty. So uh, I'm gonna let you take this one, Dan, because I'm gonna go ahead and say I've never heard of either of these fighters. With all due respect. Yeah, um, I pulled up some footage on Hannah Cyphers, but I didn't really watch it. I actually have it on this tab right here. It's still open. <laughs> yeah. It is. Okay, for in Dan's defense, he had a tab on that which had all these fights pulled up. But the Respect. problem is the problem is, you know, if you look at her accolades and her strength of competition, which I did do on paper, it's not it's not that impressive. So we really don't know what to make of her. Yeah, the records uh, aren't very great either. So I mean she does look like a, a young girl, uh, as far as that, but Macy Barber, this is one I am familiar with. She was on the contender series. Uh, and she was a prospect coming up. She's actually calling out Dern. Uh, they were supposed to fight on the regional scene. Oh, I read times, about so. her actually. Yeah, she talked yeah. about uh, how she wanted to fight Dern after this fight, yep. right? I'm yep. not a fan of people overlooking their opponents, no. but that's cool to at least be talking shit in the women's division. But Barbara's scary, dude. Because she's a small little girl, and I think she, I'm pretty sure she's a southpaw, or at least can fight from both stances because she comes from karate, but she can wrestle. She's really defensively sound. Like she doesn't look that impressive because she's not flashy and she looks like a, a meek little girl. Even though she's very athletic and built, she's still a small female and all the stereotypes that come with that, unfortunately. So she doesn't look impressive in that sense. But to me, that's more impressive because we don't see that that often at female, right? We see kind of a weak, varied sample size to these specialists who jump out and dominate their division, whether it's a mix of physical skill or a technical skill or physical superiority or both. Um, you know, we, we, we you know, uh, not a lot of Amanda Nunes is out there in either any of the divisions, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say, or Valentina Shevchenko's for that matter, but she's really technical, man. Uh, she's measured and she's got a good, uh, decent takedown game and they open against the fence and on top, she's super mean. She drops these really mean elbows. She cut open our last girl, uh, Colleen, Jamie Colleen, uh, got a really nasty ground and pound stoppage, just a building one in the third round. And well, this girl looks like she can hit. Was that coming through? Yeah, it's probably coming through there. Yeah, it shouldn't be affecting the audio, so if it did, I apologize. But yeah, we just saw Hannah Cyphers uh, beat Salim Hago. She threw a nice counter right hand there that actually dropped her. Wow, that's actually pretty impressive because you don't see that at that lower. This is 115, not yeah, 115. Yeah, 115. I mean, really though, but at the lightweight. Yeah. But again, uh, Barber Macy Barber is really measured and stuff, so I don't really see her being open for those counters. And then the distance management that you get from karate, so on and so forth. I mean, I'm not going to be super, you know, I'm admittedly did low, low, low analysis for this matchup. I apologize. But yeah, yeah, sure, sure. 
But uh, this is also one of those fights where just knowing Macy Barber, this is one of those few fights where I, I feel like I could be that ignorant guy and be like, it kind of doesn't matter who you put her against unless you put her against top of the division at this point. I see that. So she's already steps ahead. Uh, and she, her goal, for example, she's a young girl. She, her goal is to be the youngest female, cha- uh, youngest UFC champion. And Youngest still, UFC, what is it, 19 or 20? Uh, no, I believe 23 or something. John oh, Jones, wow, I'm tripping. Uh, I forget her age. No, like, debut, I'm thinking. She's though. like 19 or 20. So she, it, 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 I was thinking this way. She had uh, three years. She has three years to do it. She's going to she's at now already. And well, she's, she's fighting at one fifteen. Um, Wait, when, there's no one fifteen division, right? Yeah, this no, no, no. The, the, the female divisions are intact. Uh, one fifteen, one twenty five, one thirty five, and the mythical one forty five of you know three revolving one thirty five. One fifteen is Joanna Young Jacek's weight class. I'm a reader. Yeah, but uh, or it's just maybe Rose Amunez, we should say weight class. Oh right? yeah, right. yeah, but yeah, but you know, yeah, Jacek is yeah. moving up to one twenty five. I don't know if it's permanent. That's what threw me off. Like, where am I? I was just thinking of what was the fight below that a- Adam weight, right? Isn't yeah. that what it was? One oh five is Adam weight. Yeah, this is uh, this is her record. But she's been training to fight since she was five years old. Her whole family fights. Her brother want they want to be the first brother or sister. She has a brother, uh, Wyatt Barber, I believe his name is, and they want to be what the first brother or sister. What a badass name, Wyatt. And they all live in the same house. It's a martial arts family. Her, her mother and father, I think, are martial artists. She grew up in it, like born and bred type of thing, like type of shit. You don't see that that much in any. I mean, that's taken seriously in the male divisions and especially in the female divisions. I'm not trying to be mean. It's there. It's just true. You see that less. Yeah, you do. You see female. You see more male. You see more Khabib Nurmagomedovs. Granted, that might have to be due. Then you to do region, see and you see females yeah. in any 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 uh, country, mind you. Well, think about even Sage Northcutt and his sister. His sister's good, but she's not. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I, I, I take some cold. No, see, my problem is when I ever see brother and sister, I always think of how much the sister looks like the brother. So I'd that's like to keep the brother too. out of the creepy. equation that while I'm creepy. gaining my attractiveness, you know? Yeah, like, creepy. I'm into it, and then I see the brother, I'm like, she kind of, whatever, I met her first. <laughs> I, that's why I try. That's why I follow Colby, Colby and not Sage, but unfortunately Sage just gets retweeted in your timeline. I love you how you know her name. So. See, I don't even know her fucking name. That's great. You, 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 you clearly lurk. That and uh, dating, uh, our, dating, our dating, Russian girl. Should we out ourselves? Do we need to out ourselves right Ooh, now? Who? You oh, already you know. know. Oh yeah, you the booty, booty girl. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna tell you who, who uh, Colby Northcutt was dating. Even she dating, uh, Raymond Daniel. You know who Raymond Daniels is? No. He's a uh, he's that really badass uh, karate kickboxer guy. The big black dude. He's, he's good for super. Her. Oh yeah, no, good no, they're like super athlete couple. They're gonna take oh, over the world. Her, they're yeah. fucking, dude. All all that muscle, good for them. I love. I, I see super couples like that. I'm like, they're gonna take over the world. They're gonna create the super next baby. champion. Dude. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Supermodel, super baby. I mean, check check. Ray Daniel's a good looking dude, by the way. He's a good looking dude as well. He's not just a badass. Anyone could say anything about races, but. The fact of the matter is, I think I'm getting the name wrong. I'm mix, sorry if I'm getting that right wrong. You people. mix black with a lot of races, and that shit becomes better than it was. Hey man, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a half and half baby. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with interracial, dude. I oh mean, no, it's, we've it clearly makes some seen, beautiful mixes. We've we've clearly seen that that creates some really intense things. You know my favorite though, and I'm not even like. God, we're really getting off track here. We really are, All women are beautiful women. All women are beautiful women. It's not a race thing, but if, if, if Dan told Let me... Let me just say it. I don't have to give these. No one's going to, you know... Friend, uh, I will say one of the, the most, uh, I think, prettiest mixes is half French, half Vietnamese women. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. My favorite lately is Blasians. Oh, my God. Blasians? And I'm not even saying that in a racist derogatory. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But I, I, I recently, yeah, I recently, yeah. I recently uh, had some sexual relations with a Blasian girl, and she referred to herself as Blasian. So oh, man, it's very nice. Oh, oh, but it's it's a different, you know, taste. Anyways, so back. To All right. Anyway. <laughs> 
by the way, speaking of Tiger Woods, I remember like my dad was really into golf, and I used to golf when I was young. And my middle name is Woody, so they would say Tiger Woody. Anyways, but this is but Tiger he'd be, Woody. He'd be like, well, no, because Tiger Woods was one of the first like Asian guys. Which it's funny, like Tiger Woods, he got less Asian the more successful he got. You notice that? Like he's the first black guy. Like, hey, he's the first half Asian one too, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> like why, why did that get forgotten? Like that's that's that white true. shame though, dude. It's the white shame. It's true. It's the white shame. It's the white shame. But yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a racial inequality. This is why we'll get to Mike Perry. But guys like Mike, this is why <laughs> guys that make you, you can diss on Asians all day. It's fine. Uh, you're not gonna get called for it. Um, well, you thought you had a friend. Is my favorite Mike oh, Perry. Jesus. Oh my god. We'll get to Mike Perry. Yeah, we'll get to Mike Perry anywho. in a bit. But, uh, but so yeah. The next fight, we got uh, Benil Dariush at minus 150 versus Tiago, how do you say? Moyais, right? Moyais? Um, Moises. Moises? Is that, Moises. Really, it's that on, easy? Man. See, you normally you see like a Tiago and you're like, all right, I gotta guess this next last name here. Well, it's but like a Jewish like, name, Moises, right? That's not like a Jewish first name, but I guess it's a Brazilian last name. That's a really weird contrast. Oh, yeah, dude. Because like Moises, usually the guy would be like Moises Kaufman or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually wow. That's, that is a real name, by the I mean, way. It's really too close to Moses, too. That's in a, that's in a, what was that? that Matthew Laramie, the gay movie. They made a play in a movie about it, and there's actually a real character named Moises Kaufman. Moises I had to play him in a play once. Yeah, Moises Kaufman. Jesus, I know Asian Moises guys. Moises is way Kaufman. too. Why the hell they cast me for that? So. Anyways. But yeah, so these two guys, I'm a little bit worried about Benil Dariush, Dan. I think I've had this conversation Dude, with you before. Yeah. I feel like. Uh, you said that he had a little bit of a stuttering previously in his interviews, but I feel like lately, and no disrespect, I'm a big fan, but this is why I say this, is because I'm worried. Mm -hmm. But you see these guys have this trend in this early in their career to have some stammering in, in the post-fight or pre-fight things. It's a little worrying. And after you see a guy get turned off, mm -hmm. I mean... There's knockouts and there's like, I pushed your button and you are completely off. There is not a single working part in your body. Right. And that's happened to Benil Dariush twice now. And I'm a little bit scared for him, you know? Uh, not to say that he's not impressive and that he can't do what he needs to do, but I, I, that's something I'm always looking towards is, is if this guy gets rocked again in his next fight, like the guy needs to take a year off at the very least. I'm yeah. not saying retire. I'm, I, I hate to be the guy right, that right, says yeah. to push you towards retirement, but... You need to give your body enough time to recover from those things, man. I hear you. I would say you were crazy, except I, even though I'm picking Benil here, spoiler alert, I, I kind of agree, man. I was looking back at the Edson Barbosa fight, and I was reading my break, because I'll go back and I'll read my old breakdowns when I'm gathering information. That's part of my thing. I look at their social media, look at their records. Yeah. Um, oh, I've I seen my old it's notes. extensive. And yeah, yeah, so I've at least tabs. Yeah, yeah right now, right? I'm looking at the tabs even and, currently, yeah. And so uh, when I was reading it, I think at the end of the day, and Bernil Daryush was still. Cheers, buddy. His stock was still high in March of 2017 when he fought Edson Barbosa. But the reason why I picked Edson, and I'm the guy that would normally fade Edson, like I faded him against another southpaw pressure fighter, Michael Johnson. Well, why wouldn't I take him on Daryush who beat Johnson, which is controversial? Mm -hmm. uh, and Daryush's stock was still high. Well, because at the end of the day, I, I wrote, at the end of the day, the difference here is Michael Johnson had the athleticism and speed to contend with Barbosa. And that's ultimately that for all of Benil's improvements, at the end of the day, he's not an athlete and speedy. So true. And that's why I picked him. And at the end of the day, that's what that's what ultimately cost him. Because even though I don't know if you would say he was shutting Barbosa out, but you can make an argument that yes, he, he was edging the rounds. I feel like he won that fight. Up yeah, to that point. he was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, but at the end of the but the why I couldn't pick him was because of that athleticism <laughs> edge. That ended up being true for that fight. But bigger picture, if that is true. 
he doesn't have that, then technically he's overachieving because nobody, much less in that division of the UFC where you need speed, True. the most competitive division, you have to have all those things. So in that aspect, he's kind of been overachieving, right? Yeah, and now you look at his record, he's kind of on a downslide, which kind of fits. And again, I don't want to be a negative stereotype to a guy I like and I'm picking, but again, kind of that downslide, oh yeah, we've seen that before. Guys kind of overachieve, but you can only you can only get away so long at this level. It's yeah. going to catch up to you. And now what you're mentioning, get again, and, and, and with what you're mentioning as far as chin, he, let's not forget, even though Dojo Samuels moved on from Kings MMA, Daryush stayed. He still does the sparring days there every week, even though he has his own branch of it, which means he's getting that damage. I mean, totally. if for all the good things about Kings MMA, I love Kings. Yeah. I love Cordero. YouTube it. If, if you don't believe us, yeah. YouTube it, man. But, I mean, see he, the sparring sessions. Even, and I, I won't throw him under the bus, but, you know, a, a, a listener to the podcast somewhere, I'll throw him under the bus. He trains at Kings MMA, and he even told me, it was just like, you know, like, oh, yeah, Strickland fucking KO'd uh, Verdum before his fight with Volkov. So should it have been a surprise that he got KO'd by Volkov in the fight that he was winning? And you think about these things with Dariush now. You know what I'm saying? You look at Dariush again. We saw the trend. Cardero helped these guys get him better, and that served them well. It served Verdum well, helped him get him a title, for Christ's sake. Absolutely. It served Dariush well. But how much but, are you wasting in the gym? But yeah, but, but Verdum's age, I think, caught up with him, whereas maybe Dariush's <clears throat> athleticism and ceiling, maybe we're seeing his ceiling catch up with him. True, but like, not to disrespect Dariush. I'm not either. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I know yeah, you're yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not saying you're not, but, but what I'm getting at is this, is like, if you think about it, he was winning that fight. And yeah. if you really look back at it, he was still doing everything he was doing to win that fight. Mm-hmm. It's not like he made a mistake. He, the only mistake he made was the fact that he set up the jab to the takedown and got too predictable. But if you look at that replay, when he jumped to throw that flying knee, his head was bent backwards from the jab. Oh, so yeah. It, the, yeah. Like, that was, like you're saying, athleticism to the max level. You're, and timing it just right, too. Because, oh, yeah. God, it's insane. To, to see that was, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite moments in MMA. To yeah. see a guy come back from that and to be able to do what he did in the timing that he did it, you're right. There is like this level to Same. it where it's athleticism, but is anyone really capable of that besides this guy? You know, yeah, and we you did. know the explosiveness. I mean, even if that was, was so getting, impressive, yeah. and he was winning every aspect of that fight until that one moment. So, yeah. no disrespect to Benil, and we're not discrediting right. his abilities. It's just like you see this trend where a guy gets gets dropped and rocked the way that he was dropped. It's terrifying, mm-hmm. man. Like I'm a fan of the sport, and I. I'll admittedly say I'm a, I'm a, an observer observer of violence and I love it. But when it gets too violent, there's a moment where I'm sickened by it. And those are those moments, you know, you uh-huh. see a guy just get completely shut off. Yeah. You're worried, you know? And I feel like Noad Lahat was a big was one a for us. One. We yeah, there, and we yeah, were there live, one, yeah. you know, cuz it's a different thing. <clears throat> that guy's you been knocked it, out a bunch since then too now. And that's the terrifying that thing, man. And and this is the thing that I never saw. Because I've been to MMA events, but I've never been to a UFC event that I, I did years ago. Mm-hmm. We can get into that later, but uh, like the more modern times of UFC, I haven't been. Mm. So to see that live and to see this guy get knocked out the way he got knocked out, normally on TV it gets cut off and that's the end of it, right? You just see the guy get his hand raised and then they move on to the next fight. But being in the audience and watching the reaction of the audience, the entire audience was silent. Yeah. The entire time that Noad Lahat was on the ground. I think we even or Kevin they went like, brought he's still the, down. Like we lost track. We started to get our own conversation and then we, we like we went back and we're like, oh he's still there. It was so bad, man. Like that rattled me, you know? And and like I said, I'm a fan of the sport. I've been a fan of the sport. And I like I said, I love to observe violence. Yeah. But 
there's a level to that where it becomes a little too crazy. Yeah. And yeah. that's the point I'm worried about Benilin is, is that I've seen that moment in him where I'm like, oh, fuck, that was yeah. really bad. Like, that was really bad. I feel you. All right, uh, we got 20 more minutes left, so I just want to wrap up this fight. Uh, basically, for this one, I kind of feel similar to the Travis Gale of Bobby Moffat. I'm siding with Dar- Daryush here because I feel like he's just not this more, the more proven guy at the UFC level, obviously. Totally. You can always kind of say that. Mm-hmm. You can't always bank on that, obviously. But I also think at this point, he's the better guy skills-wise on the ground and even standing up. Now, I think Tiago Mois- <clears throat> Moises... Tiago Moises, he's got uh, I went back and actually watched those fights, uh, folks. But I, so I, I think he's got a higher power? ceiling. He does. He can, he's got it coming forward, off the counter, hands, feet, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, serviceable wrestling, but typical Brazilian. Not too big for the weight class, 5'9", 155. Not too fast, but very athletic. Keeps in his stance. Not too wild, which is a good thing, but that very Brazilian Muay Thai style. Prod, very prod Brazilian. More, more controlling jiu-jitsu. Not scrambly. Not not a submission <clears throat> phenom. Again, more of the positional jiu-jitsu kind of a guy like a Moffat again. Um, so very good. Very solid. Uh, could be like a Moicano where he might not impress. He just looks fundamentally sound, but is actually much better than he is, right? Oh, yeah. So he could very well be that, which is why I say and believe wholeheartedly that he has a higher ceiling than Daryush. Yeah, like but right now, ceiling, yeah. right now... From what we've seen, Daryush is and should be the favorite. So yeah. I went with him. But here's why Tiago Moises is going to win. I hate bringing up the picks thing, but but people bring it up now, which is funny. Like, I've been in the lead for like 80% of the year for the Junkie Staff picks, by the way. Yeah. Starting off with the very first event where I was the only one to go uh, undefeated, perfect in picks for the very first fight. Took the leaderboard. Kept it for 80% of the time. I'm not even that competitive to do when it comes to those picks. And even while... Some people talking shit. We well, got to drop it. No, no, no. It's, it's, all, it's all... Mainly it's Junkie Nation people. It's all... It's Who's all, trying it's all to get fun. beat out? No, it's, all, it's all fun. By the way, shout out to the MMA Roadshow because they even poke fun. They even poke fun at me too a bit, uh, John, John and Kenny. But Kenny's the leaderboard now. Props to Kenny. I don't, I don't get props, but it's funny. The other people, uh, other people are paying attention to that though. I don't realize how many people pay attention to that junkie pick board. And people are like, oh, Dan Tom losing picks. Hey, I got employees that go off the MMA pick board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I didn't realize board. that. Yeah. Well. Oh, so yeah, uh, man. I respect that. Yeah. But I will say in my defense that not only was I number one for majority of the year, folks, even while I was number one, I was admittedly saying on this show uh, that my pick percentage has gone down. And I even talked about that theory recently. Just because, you know, you're in the media, you're, you're interviewing. So so believe me, like, I, I already, I'll already, I'll come clean with y'all. I'm, I'm not doing uh, that great here, but. But let's be real, dude. You're analyzing these fights consistent. more than anybody. Yes, yes. No, but like, right, the, right. It, and that's almost like a curse. Right, it is. It's like you, you've put so much time into it that when you start to second guess yourself. Yeah. You're almost like, no, I'm not going to second guess myself. But those second guesses are kind of what betters go off of. You right. know, that I know who's going to win, but my gut. Right. But as an analyst, you don't have that gut. You can't have that gut. You're going off of what you've analyzed. Yeah. So it's different. Like, True. I, I don't know these people that you're talking about that you're competing with. Oh, no, no, with. Not, uh, no, and no, no, no disrespect. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm going to go ahead and say they're not putting in even 40% of the amount of time you're putting in watching fights. It's just one of those things where you're you, picking fights and analyzing them or picking fights and betting them. Like, all three of those things are actually different things. You and can, you have so many contributing factors when you're analyzing it at the level that you're analyzing it's, it. It's tough. Well, what I will say, I'm not trying to defend myself here. I'm actually bringing it to a, 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 bigger, a bigger point or a more important point. But I will say, just kind of in my defense, like... Some I've, I've, I don't want to talk too much. I've actually talked about it in recent ep- uh, episodes to my listeners, so I don't want to drown them with it. But, you know, just, just being being objective, like, you know, interviewing fighters more makes you worse. Than it. And somebody else posted something along the lines to what you were saying where there's a, there's, a, there's a certain point, there's a theory out there, there's a certain point where your picks are really good at, like, a couple years in. But after you're doing it for so long, 
you almost start it, it mm. becomes counterintuitive. You start oh. thinking about scenarios that you who don't need that? to. I forget who it was, and I want to give them a shout here, but I retweeted it. It's on my timeline because I agreed with it, and I oh, actually okay. gave my own thoughts on it. So that's all good, and it all makes sense. I'm not no, that absolutely I'm not butthurt on this, sense. but the re, but but uh, I will say, like for example, the me and Kenny thing is the ironic thing about that is the 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 now that it's close, it, it becomes tough because for example, instead of me and Kenny last year, it was Simon and Goes were the top ones, mm-hmm. and Goes was feeling bad because he was ahead of Simon, and the way we submit picks, he was like, I feel bad. All I have to do is. Um, you know, pick strategically to stay ahead because at a certain point when you get close to the end, it's a numbers game. It's not even about the picks. It's like, okay, well, if I just match this guy or if I just go favorites ahead of time, I can protect my lead. You know what I'm saying? It becomes more so if you, so in other words, you could do shitty all year, but if you get to that point where you're in that leader position or close and striking distance, it becomes strategy. Whereas me, it sucks even if I wanted to be competitive. I can't because one, yeah, I have to. I have to. I have to write and show my work on a breakdown. So I can't just go. Oh, I'm going to pick this guy to be Kenny. But now, <laughs> now I have to write a whole article bullshitting you oh, guys on why this guy is a better fighter. <laughs> and then two, more yeah. importantly, I'm not wired that way, obviously, yeah, which all, everybody should know. Yeah. So uh, again, so I can't That's even play that strategy yeah, if I wanted to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm having to pick. what You can't I want. have a bias, and you, if you wanted to just strategically win this thing, you would have to have a bias. So I'm calling it now. I'm probably going to lose, and I iron of that is I, I held I held the lead for like literally 80% no, of the year you know you know what's hilarious is that I didn't even know about the MMA junkie top picks huh? thing and one of my employees who used to be in our DraftKings league okay yeah yeah right, yeah back in the day because yeah. it's illegal in Vegas for those who don't know yeah but uh he's been in our league and he's been following your breakdowns your podcast he's maybe listening now shout out to my boy Adam hey, AKA, hey what's up Adam aka Dadam but that dude, he really says every time he's like, I can't believe that, uh, you know, Dan's the top of the picks. I'm like, yeah, well, dude, this guy analyzes more time than anybody. Well, it's a you little, know? I, I, not to say that that's like, you know, it's like, that's yeah. the only reason you were winning. But, you know, right. at the same time, like you even said, you were like, yeah, it would be a bad thing if I wasn't winning. But, well, you know, not to out yourself, right. but yeah, you know. There's a it's a blessing and a curse the ability that you have. Well, I, I'll give you and just to finish this point, we had we had to move on, finish up here. But the reason why I say Moises will win even if he's losing for most of the fight because like for example, these are the ones I'm losing a lot of the times now when I do go to head with Kenny, even though I can't be strategic. Of course, I'm paying attention to the ones we we difference on because that that becomes just like putting putting a bait on a fight it becomes stakes, right? And the ones where I've been like losing to him on is like he took Derek Lewis over Volkov, so oh. I'm like winning the whole fight. The analysis is oh. correct, and then he wins. And then the other one was, and again, oh. it, it doesn't affect my, it doesn't affect my enjoyment because my favorite oh, fight was, was 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 Weidman Jacare, mm. but he took Jacare, and I had Weidman, so I'm like, oh, Weidman's looking the best he's ever looked, baby. Third round again. So like these are the fights. Like so if we talk about third round Romero, we need to start talking about third round Weidman. So if you see fights that me and Kenny are opposite on, take Kenny's side is what I'm trying to say. And the only fight we're opposite on in this main card is that fight. To save time, so, well, so not to interrupt in or waste time, but does Kenny put in his picks first or do you? And see, he usually does first, so it's not even okay. like Kenny's like doing yeah. that. All right, all right. And the reason why I'm always last, by the way, but like, again, I'm not last because I'm being strategic at all. I'm last because I'm actually having to like do research. Oh, so I'm I've like, seen, bro. Yeah. it takes me a minute to get mine in. Whereas most people try to get it in behind the scenes and junkie. Most people are pretty good about getting their picks in early in the yeah. week, except for my junkie Steven. Everybody knows Steven this gets a grill sash. I love it. And uh, but but yeah, so everybody throws theirs in even because uh, early because they don't want to forget. Whereas gotcha. me, I, I take my time. My uh, fault. We can move on. No, to the next. this one's gonna be real quick. Uh, unless you have any thoughts, Drain Durandy <laughs> minus one seventy five making returns in UFC two hundred eight against Raquel Pennington. 
plus 155. I love how you said this is going to be real quick. I just want to save time, and I'm sorry the ladies are going to be no, sacrificed it's, here. It's I got Duran to me CDR, because... CDR, come on. Has she even fought since Holly Holm? No, but okay. I think I think she's the favorite. I'm picking her, and I think she could be more of a favorite. I just think this is one of those public lines where mm-hmm. everybody's talking shit on her because of the late punches after the bell, the pulling out against Cyber. She's still dude. a badass. She's yeah. one of the only dudes, women who knocked out a dude in and professional hate, competition. And I hate that. I hate that people get disrespected because of politics. Yep. You know? And... Who knows really what happened with GDR and the fact that she may have turned down fights. I don't give a fuck about that. I feel like if if you're a champion, the only way you should lose that belt is through inactivity or losing your belt. And she fought a dude in a Muay Thai fight and knocked him out. An actual dude. It's one of the yeah. It was like one of the I forget how it got sanctioned, but it was one of these crazy things I heard about before she was even in MMA. I and mean, she's, a, she's a badass. And you uh, still have guys out there that think they can beat up MMA fighters that are men. Yeah. Let alone women. It's hilarious to me. Jesus Christ. One last thing I want to say about this fight, and I mentioned it to you, is um, when I was going back to watch the Pennington footage, I watched her fight with Nunez. I forgot. People already know, like, you know, he's... Brian's expressing his opinion on John Jones. Let's just say I feel the same way about Amanda Nunez. Yeah, you do. She's gotten better. She's gotten better where, like, she actually acknowledges and respects her opponent. Before she didn't acknowledge her opponent, she would just go crazy and elbow them unconscious, uh, like a really rude person. Go back and watch the Raquel Paolui fight. Really disturbing. Um, but Amanda Nunes, let's just say she's special. I don't think she's mean and twiddles her mustache, but, like, let's just say well, she's she special. That mustache, yeah. She's special. I twiddle her mustaches and she's an evil person. I don't think she wakes up to do these things. She's just special. Yeah. And her post fight interviews are the most <laughs> fucking frustrating things in the world where even though she was being like super nice and meant completely well in this most recent one, um, she was still like it was it was ridiculous. Like she went on so long and like John Annex trying to corral her uh, around the cage that, that you guys can look that by the end of her post fight speech, this is in Brazil in her hometown. You just see the redness of the seats. It is fucking empty. Everybody cleared out. They're like, fuck this. Do you think it was because it was in English though? I don't know if it will. Part of it will. It was kind of back and forth. But yeah, anyways, that's my fight on this one. Brian, can you set up the next fight and maybe even go into your opinions on it? Because I'm going to grab a charger. I don't yeah. think we're going to make it to the very end, even though um, we're going to try to wrap this in the next 10. Good call, because this is definitely the fight I'm looking forward to most. The people's main event. We've got Mike Platinum Perry at a minus 200 versus your boy, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, at a plus 170. Now, I don't know about you guys. But I'm a fan of Donald. I'm a fan of Donald Cerrone at 170. I'm a fan of Mike Perry, even though at first I wasn't, and I feel like that's kind of a common thing with uh, MMA fans. Is everyone saw Mike Perry and said, "Who the fuck is this guy? Why is this guy coming into the octagon and fighting people? This guy's going to be quick in and out, and he's going to be cut quickly." And here we are. We're watching him fight again, and I feel like the majority of the people actually like this fucking guy. Uh, I don't know about any of you listeners, but I'm a big uh, Reddit MMA follower. I'm, I'm a lurker. I'm a commenter. Uh, I'm there all the time. And uh, everybody on that is basically saying the same thing about Mike Perry is that when we first saw him, we couldn't wait to see him lose. But then we watched him win, and now everyone's impressed. And he's a very likable guy. You want to dislike him, but you can't not like him, you know? It's a, it's a strange thing. But Donald Cerrone, Donald Cerrone is one of the most likable guys in MMA. I mean, he's a man's man. He's coming to fuck you up or get fucked up, and you can't not respect that. Well said. It's funny. I was joking earlier about the thing with him. Uh, I think Mike Perry was calling out Ben Askren, and 
he was saying, oh, you beat with little Asians and this and that. And his, <laughs> his, his, corner, his corner men saying, like, the bit him in his squinty eyes or whatever when he's fighting Dong Young So Kim. bad. Like, I have every reason to hate the guy. But that was what's his fucking name? <laughs> that was Alex Nicholson. Oh, so, yeah, that guy's a fucking douche. Regardless. I'm going to go ahead and say that. But reg- yeah. Regardless, they got a. Uh, regardless, they got a. Uh, Oh, sorry, I just got a text. Yeah. Regardless, they got a. I lump them in together. No excuses, yada yada. But at the same time, again, in fairness, even though I I will mention these little cracks, like I said earlier, like oh, you can say stuff about Asians and get away with it. I'm honestly, I don't care about that shit, guys. I'm not like super like um, ethnically driven and this and that and da 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 da. The only reason why I bring that up is just because it's just an obvious hypocrisy. I honestly swear to God, if I wasn't fucking Asian, I'd bring it up at the same, just because. I would look at the obvious population of both the world and the United States and the representation and wow, that's fucking really off. Yeah. That's just fucking, it's just the truth. Wait, the sky you, is fucking blue. You were the first to bring it um, up to me, man. Like, like yeah, if, no, if, if, if you, you know, so, you know, you know and, and again, I'm not holding against Perry. I'm, I'm picking Perry here. I even still like Perry uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, how do you not? But, 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 but let's just break though. it down, you know. If he, he's insulting an American wrestler uh, in Ben Askren, but yet he feels the need to say little Asians. Now, that might sound a lot to you, but now let's just say, okay, that, that might not, what's the big deal, Dan? Okay, fine, fine. Not a big deal. Let's replace descriptor little and Asians without even like the really racist stuff. Just a descriptor and an ethnicity. It's Dark racist. blacks. Still big nosed Jews. He would be out of the UFC if he said those last two things, right, Brian? Pink skinned white people. Maybe he would get away with that one, but I'm yeah, just I'm pointing that's out. My I'm favorite pointing, racist. I'm flirt. pointing out the hypocrisy here, you know. But yeah, you can no, get away true. with. Yeah. That, that, if you're a racist, it doesn't mean that you're just white. You can yes. be a racist and be any racist. anything, anything. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I pointed out. But that being said, guys, I don't take it that seriously. I'm not like a social justice warrior. I'm yeah. not saying we should have his head or anybody's head. Look at like, the, the comment that Drew said in the beginning. Like I, I fucking say so much ridiculous on PC stuff in here. Believe me, guys. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. But what Brian said was true. It is ironic, though, isn't it? Our, our attitude on Mike Perry. It is oh, ironic. Yeah. That's the perfect. You word. can't not like him. But in in Mike Perry's defense, recently on Halloween, he dressed up as an Indian because of cow- stuff too. Yeah, cow- stuff too. Well, Native Americans, yeah. if we're being politically correct. And Savages, Brian. It's true. Hey, I'm Native American. <laughs> My last name is Schoonover, and you would never fucking guess it, but I'm, I am a good percentage of Native American. But it's, the, the way you look at it is this, is that Mike Perry was trying to be funny in contrast the the cowboy. He was not trying to be derogatory or talk shit on Native Americans, man. That guy was just... He said, oh, you're a cowboy? Well, guess what? I'm a motherfucking Indian, and I'm going to knock you the fuck out. And that's what's hilarious about Mike Perry is that it's like this white trash trailer park guy, but he speaks well and he beats the shit out of people. Even when he loses, you're like, good for you, man. You still got your ass kicked, but you're still the man. Like, I don't know. It's weird. When he went, whoo, you thought you had a friend, boy. <laughs> like, that was hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. when that happened, we were all hoping that he got knocked out, you know? Like, it was a different kind of enjoyment. But... I don't want to say I'm rooting for Mike Perry in this fight, but I feel like Donald Cerrone's out of his league, and I feel like the biggest uh, tangible here is the fact that Donald Cerrone's fighting with emotion because he's fighting a guy that stole his spot in the gym that he used to fight in. And when we see guys who split from gyms, especially from that gym, or if we see... um, I forget what the other example was, but uh, the, the examples that I was thinking of, these similar scenarios... The younger guy always seemed to have won. Yeah, you know, uh, or, or they it's like almost career, of a passing of the to torch. Mike Brown to Mike Pyle, Matt Brown and Mike Pyle. Mike Pyle kicked the shit out of Matt Brown in the gym, but then they met at that main card opener at Fox, and that was when Mike Pyle was on his run. But Matt Brown was on his run too, 
And Matt Brown just fucking first round TKO. And that's why Matt, everyone makes fun of Matt Brown because that was the one where he was like, Mike Pyle, Mike Pyle, Mike Pyle this, Mike Pyle. Because he couldn't believe that he beat Mike Pyle. That was an idol to him. That was a guy that kicked his ass in the gym, humbled him, taught him lessons. He looked up to. I love Matt Brown. But, and I love Mike Pyle. But that Mike Pyle thing was true, that the gym fighter kind of thing. And we saw it, we saw it there. And not that saying Cerrone's a gym fighter by any means. But I'm just saying it's one of those things where Cerrone probably did own him in that sparring session. But there probably was some truth where Mike Perry was... You know, when you're sparring, you're, you're, you're giving guys positions. You're letting, totally, giving them work. Totally. And, uh, he knows what to expect at the very least. I don't, I, and that's one thing about Mike Perry's game. It's always underrated, his offensive and defensive wrestling. <laughs> Man, so that's he's I got some with. of the best highlight KOs. Him yeah. and Jake Ellenberger, I mean, that's vicious. Yeah, I'm going with Mike Perry. In an early, are, are you taking him early for this as well? Is that what I'm getting from you? I, I, I want to say I'm at a pick em, Okay. But I'm rooting for Donald all... All signs are pointing to Mike Perry, though. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I would say Mike Perry wins this fight. Okay. My heart's with Donald, though. I'm a big Cowboy fan. Now this main event, Dan. We got the return of the Korean zombie, though. Can I have you do the same thing as you did last one? I'm going to send this in yeah. real quick. Yeah, dude. You're good? Hit, All right. Hit it, man. Brian's going to roll us in. We both have Mike Perry. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. One last thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Cerrone upsets or is able to take a back and a scramble. But if he doesn't get anything going soon, I got Mike Perry early is what I was trying to say, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Mike Perry first two, maybe round and a half. But, anywho, back on to the main event of the evening. We've got Chan Sung Jung at a minus 105. Versus your boy, Yair Rodriguez at a minus 115. Now, I know there's a lot of hype behind Yair. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a lot of that is a little inflated. Um, <clears throat> Frankie Edgar humbled this guy. Well, should have humbled. I don't know if he actually humbled him. But uh, it's a bummer that we don't see Frankie fighting in this fight because he's the real guy that should be fighting the Korean zombie. Uh, Yair, Yair's got the style. He's got the unorthodox style to kind of beat Korean Zombie, but I feel like the Korean Zombie is just too polished here. He's had a little bit of a delay, you know, uh, time off in between fights. We all know he took two years off for his military service, but now I feel like he's stayed active. I feel like he's looked better than he ever has, and <clears throat> not to beat a dead horse here and talking about chins, but... You know, he, he showed to get knocked out in his earlier fights in the WEC, and that's where he got his Korean zombie style, is he'd get rocked and walk forward and not really care. But now you see a more tactical, calculated fighter who takes his time and does a lot better in that aspect. But not only that, but he's taken time off to rest his chin. So if there were any problems with that, he's well-rested and ready to go. <clears throat> that is a good thing about the intangibles there. That's why I agree with the chin thing. And he's shown that he can come off with lengthier layoffs and injury and military service and still like not miss a beat and show improvements like he did with Bermudez. Yeah. But now he has to tempt fate twice. And tempting fate once is crazy enough in this game, so right? true. Because it's been, what, a year since that last year? A fight? year, over a year, February 2017. So, wow. yeah, a good year and a half. But, wow. again, Yair Rodriguez is coming off a year, too. Not as long. It's I think it's 18 months to Korean Zombie's 21-month layoff. Yeah. So it's a big Close layoff enough, for Yair, yeah. but the thing is that Yair, too, it's crazy. That's got to be his biggest. It's his biggest layoff, and maybe it's not a bad thing, and he should get better because he's young, and he gets better for every fight. Totally. But what worries me is how is he going to come back from the loss because he's coming back from a potential life-changing loss. Like That's one thing. I went back to read the breakdown, and it was funny. I actually compared before my prediction for the Edgar-Yair fight. I said this might look like a John Fitch, Eric Silva. Mm -hmm. And that was, I will pat myself on the back, back there. Yeah. 
But yeah. what happened to Eric Silva after that? Oh, different Eric Silva, wasn't different it? Eric different Eric That's just before you saw that we saw the different Eric Silva, mind you. So, I mean, there are some life-changing kind of being, and that's the answer for Yair Rodriguez. And didn't he get pulled? He wasn't even... <clears throat> he had contract disputes, which is, which is bad. Taking fights that maybe he didn't want. Was he even in uh, UFC on the UFC roster before this fight? I don't know, but it looked. It, let's just say the interviews and the way it what happened. And I know the UFC have played their part in that for sure, but it also didn't make Yair Rodriguez look oh, that good. No way. And now he's going out of his way to saying he's still thinking about Zabit, which A isn't smart. Like you said, you want to think about the fighter in front of you, and B. Oh. Tinfoil hat thinking is he overcompensating to compensate? Like, I don't want to look 100%. like a bitch. That's what I've thought the whole time is that, like, now there's no weight on the Korean zombie in comparison to the weight on Yair, in my opinion. Because Yair had all this hype. They were hyping him to be the next Mexican MMA fighter. Yeah. yeah. The next UFC champion. Blah, blah, blah. Like, they love to do. And then he got stopped by one of the greatest lightweight mm-hmm. champions of all time coming back and fighting at featherweight. But it was dominant. He yeah. made him look like a child in there. You know, and, and like you said, that's embarrassing, man. This line is interesting, though, too, because yeah, uh, Chancellor <coughs> Jung was a, a bigger favorite early in the week. Now he's moving to where he's training toward the underdog, kind of like just, some other lines we've seen. But that's just all hype, man. True. You know, true. it's all hype. And, and you can't blame him because, yeah, yeah, he's knocked out some impressive people with some impressive, you know, strikes. But this is a different guy. This is an experienced veteran who's fought the best of the best his whole career. True, true. You know, now that WEC was absorbed by the UFC and we see the fighters that have continued on throughout that, like, yeah, I don't know. One thing's for sure. I don't know if I see this fight going past round three, which makes me want to stay away from the 2.5 over-unders. Um, I'm going to reveal my hand earlier. I'm going with Chance on Jung by submission, but I could totally see uh, Yair Rodriguez catching with a kick on the way in, kind of like George Rue, that, that KO. And like we said, who knows? Chance on Jung has been rocked and knocked out yeah. before. So who knows? What's your what's your pick for this one? What's your I'm gonna go with the Korean pick? Zombie man. I'm a fan. I like to see him, and uh, I don't mean to play the fan game here, but I I lost a little bit of respect for Yair. You can't be that guy, <clears throat> be as flashy as you are, and then not accept fights. You know, the, the camp jumping worries me too. He hasn't had a steady home. Now he's mm-hmm. been working with Eddie Bravo a bit, I guess. Wait, he's not but, even at he's not even at Jackson anymore. No, Jackson. He hasn't been back to Team Alpha Male since that four year. I know he was training a bit at Syndicate. Wait, wait, wait I didn't even know there. he went from from. He's been training, Jackson jumping, to, around. Yeah, wow. jumping around. Yeah, no, he fell out with Izzy Martinez, the wrestling coach. So that's got to be a personality. Fell out with Jackson, thing, he did fall out. I, mean, I don't see him with Mike Valley striking. Which, no offense to that guy, but he's been one of the few. I, I always love to give credit for coaches, but he's one of the fade coaches. If I see him in a, I don't know personally, but just from what I've seen from his fighters, yeah, doesn't really trend well. Um, but yeah, I don't know what he's doing, man. Yeah, so yeah, I got it's almost like uh, an Ngannou thing where everyone's saying that Ngannou's ego was so inflated and then once he lost, he just couldn't handle it. Could be another thing like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fights, I mean, it's it's a thing, man. It's the highest highs and the lowest lows. By the way, shout out to at Desiru. Uh, he, he, uh, he let me know, which, uh, my bad, I forgot to recap my picks at the end. I go on these tangents. I can't people expect to follow the whole thing. So I don't know. Let me know if you guys. Yeah, let me know if you guys want me to do uh, any kind of like shout outs and, or not shout outs, but if you want me to list my picks in the show notes. Um, I don't know if that'll discourage from listening to the episode, but at the same time, I'm not like I don't have an ego. I don't. You have to listen to my voice. Like I, obviously, if you read the show notes, I do give markers in there for those of you who don't already know or pay attention to help you navigate to the episode, so you don't have to listen. It's all right, Ben. He'll be right back out. But uh, at the end, I guess what I was trying to say is I'll try to recap the picks, and uh, I haven't been great at doing that. So I'm just gonna recap it here. Um, I didn't really give any plays. I kind of hinted at some guys that I will be playing, like uh, especially if like uh, I'll, I'll stay as they come. All right, we had uh, I'm taking Delarosa over Sanchez. 
Um, taking Shelton over Morales. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to play that. I may sprinkle on Shelton, just degen. I may sprinkle for dog-wise on Arosa. I'm taking him over Devontae Smith. Davi Hamosh, obviously taking over John Gunther. Taking Chas Kelly over Bobby Moffitt, and we'll definitely play Chas Kelly if he keeps trending toward a dog. Taking Ashley Yoder over Amanda Cooper. Playable line if you want to play it. Um, I'm not. Uh, Luis Pena, minus one, so I'm taking him over Trezano. I'm taking Macy Barber over Cyphers. Um, Benil Dariush, I'm taking. That's a dangerous one. That's on the avoid list, though. Over Tiago Moises, Drain Duranemi, I'm taking. Um, Mike Perry, I'm taking. Staying away from playing that fight. And Chan Sung Jung, I'm going to wait to see if he goes to dog money. I'll, I will play Chan Sung Jung. Otherwise, I would say just avoid and enjoy that one. Also, want to give a shout out to Eric Stevens uh, at Rhyme Stranger. Uh, always shouting out the community, always giving those nice uh, posts to follow. So shout out to you, Mr. Stevens. And at MMAKO Champ. I've been bad about retweeting his stuff. Follow at MMAKO Champ. It's usually within like 24, 48 hours of the event. He'll put these little like cool video uh, visual previews for fantasy play. So make sure to give him a follow. Check his stuff out. Uh, also wanted to shout out my man uh, Chris Rinney at Rinney MMA uh, for his art, artist, uh, art, uh, art, you know, his, his, his artwork. Uh, you know, Dan Tom's a fan of the artwork, so I definitely wanted to give them a shout out as well as the MMA betting sharks. Uh, I post in their community. They're, they're kind enough to allow me to, allow me to post there. You can follow them on Twitter, I believe, at MMA betting sharks. And uh, just want to run through some quick shout outs for anyone who's pretty much been on the show as far as like co-hosts. Um, just thank you guys for really being on the show uh, and, and just, just taking your time, whether you were only co-hosted one or many. Um, I hope to get you back on. You, got, you, you guys were awesome. I just want to thank you guys. Um, uh, Jordan Fiegelman, obviously we go to him for fantasy. I, I don't think I've had him on for a top five, though. Maybe I should get him on for one of those as well. But he is uh, my normal fantasy guy for this podcast at Ordination. Shout out to him. Of course, Jordan Killian, who's co-hosted next to Brian most of these shows, uh, you know, from Chicago over there at Jay Killian MMA, I, I, I love him. Again, I would I would turn the steering wheel over to him anytime. Uh, it was short notice. I'm a bad planner, but Jordan, if you're listening, I actually was gonna probably reach out to you and give me shit for not because you probably would have jumped on Skype and said hi on this podcast anyways. But I'm a disorganized fuck. But thank you, you're <laughs> awesome. Uh, Daniel Levy at Best Fight Picks. Uh, he's been on a few. I always give him shouts. Uh, his podcast over there, Half the Battle with. Uh, Shaq and uh, Kyle Marley as well. Shouts to those guys. Uh, John Lee, I had him on for the tattoo episode. Worst tattoos in MMA. That was fun. <laughs> Shout out to him. Matthew Wells, of course. Mr. Atwell's Art. Uh, Slip and Dip Podcast. Shout out, shout out to him and Kendrick, by the way. Go listen to their podcast. Matt Wells has been on a couple here. Angelo Reyes, the great Angelo Reyes. Last UFC Denver podcast, Shevchenko Pena. Angelo Reyes helped break that down, by oh, the way. Nice. Yeah, boxing. Uh, in person. Um, speaking of boxing, at Boxing Bush, Connor Rebush, thank you for coming on the show recently. That was a that was definitely fun. Got a lot of good feedback from that one as well from BloodyElbow.com. We had Zane Simon at the Zane Simon. Thanks, Zane. I definitely got to get Zane back on. He's he's my my my, my film snob friend in, in hand there. Um, Biach, Mach, who the fuck is that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> is that your handwriting? Yeah, my handwriting. Biach, Mach. <laughs> um, yeah, Biach, thank you. Robin Black, there's one. Uh, Robin Black, he was one of the first top fives. Top yeah, five BJ Pub moments, which 
By the way, I also had him on for a 209 breakdown, but the main guest there was John Ramdy, and that was a big deal too, you know, because both those guys would do the uh, five-round show, whatever it was in Canada uh, I used to watch back in the day for a mm-hmm. minute. And John Ramdy looks like Sean, the pedophile. God, that's terrible. <laughs> he used to play guitar in my band. Uh, One Jesus. of those jokes that doesn't translate well It does well not on translate radio. well at all. But he He's looks not like a Sean. pedophile. Yeah, neither is Ramdy, but Ramdy was awesome. Ramdy was on the podcast. Money Blakeweather. <laughs> Money Blakeweather was on there. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, I'm really going to get pissed off. I'm going to miss somebody there. Who the fuck was that? The GG and Goes, of course. God damn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get shit. Oh, Lynch. That's what it says. Lynch. Biach. It's Lynch. That's how bad my handwriting is. Biach looks like Lynch. Lynch. James Lynch. For top five post-fight <laughs> interviews. Thank you, James Lynch. I know, right? Does that look like Lynch? I'm not even going to guess. That's hilarious. I know. This is fucking and terrible. And sorry, Ben's freaking out. But too excited. anyways, I just wanted to thank you guys. Follow us at the PYM Podcast. We're running low on time. I know I promised I was going to give some Amazon shout-outs. I know some of you made some special purposes for that. purchases for that reason. I'm going to save it for the next episode. I know I keep Matt Damoning that, but we, we got to get out of here. So, Brian, any, any last words? Uh, yeah. Bet the house on... The Korean zombie. <laughs> just playing. Don't listen to me. I'm drunk. Uh, uh, hopefully, next time we could do a sober podcast because this escalated quickly. This was not bad. This is true. But I apologize to anybody that I potentially offended with my John Jones talk. Um, other than that, the day John Jones gets KO'd, I will be Jesus celebrating Christ. like like the day I lost my virginity. Jesus. All right. Well, we can. You know what? Maybe Brian. This is a good time to end it for Brian. Until next time. I thought we were doing good until that moment, but... Protect (laughs) your neck. Yeah, that's it. Until next time, Brian. You send it out for our 100th episode. Tell him. Protect your motherfucking neck. Peace.